What's going on, Minna fans? And welcome to episode 11 of the KMS History Lesson Podcast. I am your host, Shane Mudgett. And this week's episode, inspired by, if you're listening in real time, this is inspired by Kurt going on Why Are You Laughing? by Mike's Comedy Podcast. We're going to do the comedians on KMS. So this is Kirk's interviews with the stand-ups that have been on the show. You're going to get three of them today. First one, Andrew Dice Clay. The second one, Artie Lang. And the third one, Gilbert Gottfried. Those of you that have been listening uh, to the show since the beginning, you'll remember I did a similar episode like this with the... Kirk's craziest interviews, and if you're new to this, or this is maybe your first episode listening, go back because there's a crazy three crazy interviews headlined by O.J. Simpson's now attorney. Kirk gets into him with. Well, let's just jump right into the first uh, the first interview. Andrew Dice Clay. This is back in September of 2019. Kirk's first big interview of the show. This is in Red uh, Red 13 Studios, which was the studio that. The show originally started in, if you're a new KMS listener, it was the studio they weren't, it wasn't their own studio like it is now, they were sharing it, booking times, etc. like that. And there are just a couple notes I want to make uh, for you guys to maybe keep an ear out for, especially if you are a new uh, listener and haven't heard this before. All time funny mic uh, moments happen in this where... I don't want to spoil it if you haven't listened to it, but the guy just, he can't get a word in edgewise, so listen out for that, because it, it'll make you laugh every single time he tries to do it. Also, the OG Man fans will remember, this is where one of the uh, start of the bigger controversies of the K. Marco versus Kirk feud sort of happened, because uh, and Dice Clay says some things about Michael Jackson in this interview that Steve then put in the headline of the blog to promote this episode on the Barstool website, which all started the snowball effect of that feud, which another shameless plug, go listen to the Kirk vs. K. Marco episode of the Barstool Sports History Lesson podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this now, because I cover all that in great detail, and it's definitely worth a listen. But let's get started. Here's the first interview. It's about it's a little under an hour long. Andrew Dice Clay on KMS. He'll be there as well. Uh, here he is, Andrew Dice Clay. I don't say this often. I'm going to say it right now. I am talking to a legitimate genius. I, what I say earlier, we taped a show earlier this morning. We're taping this one for tomorrow. One of the top two or three comedians on, in the history of the world. The greatest, Andrew Dice Clay. Dice, what's going on? Well, I like the intro so far. That was strong. <laughs> what? <laughs> who's not gonna? Who's not gonna like that? Well, I mean, yeah, it's, we were talking. I'm, I've been upset. I, I listened to the Dyson cometh in the HBO special. Watched it. Listened to it. Is, is I was in junior high school and in high school. Fucking five hundred times. You're the greatest. I always wonder. You know, with you, uh, when you were doing that and you got bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, how angry would you get? at the people who are critical of you or as a comedian, do you just not give a shit at all? Um, how angry did I get at the people yeah, mad at the, me? The, 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 the Nora Duns of the world. All right. Well, you know what? That's so small compared to you know, the attack, you know, right. of, of the media on me. I mean, she, uh, 
I mean, just that, you know, she was getting fired. Her, her contract wasn't getting renewed. Right. You know, really didn't have, just as a starting point, uh, she was really just using me to hurt Lorne Michael. Right. You know, because he wasn't going to renew her contract, which was up in two weeks. So she really just wanted to, you know, in my opinion, create mayhem on the show. And all that really did. And I don't know since then. I mean, it's been a long time since then. But yeah, up sure. to that point, it was just the highest rated Saturday Night Live ever, hands down. So she really helped build me. Right. You know, rather than right. knock me down. And what, what was funny about that is, I, I, I mean, honestly, now and then you might see her like do a scene in a show yeah, or something. She's, she's gone. She was gone after Right, right. It was done. It done was done after that. <laughs> and I don't even say that with, um, you know, happy about it because it was just stupid when you do a show that is a character driven comedy, you know, and, and you have the ultimate stand-up who developed and I'm not saying none of Dice is real as far as no, being but, from right. Brooklyn but and attitude. But it's amplified. But, you know, yeah, yeah. When, you, when, you, when you create almost like an Elvis type of character as a comic for people, why do you walk off a show called Saturday Night Live, which is based its whole career on that? Dumb. Right. You, She's Nora, she's Nora Dummy, not Nora Dunn. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. what? I saw but, uh, Go, go ahead. No, go but, ahead. But, uh, but I will say, as far as all the media stuff, mm -hmm. you know, at first I, I, like, didn't get it because, you know, when I was just a struggling comic, you know, I would get written up, like, whether I'd be in Texas or New York or, you know, um, Hank Gallo, uh, who wound up... Uh, I think he created the Daily Show, but when when he met me, he saw me at Caroline's. He was a writer for the Daily News. Daily News, yeah, yeah. And he wrote the he wrote the first big article about me, like a full page in '86, called "The Dice Man Cometh," because he saw what was happening, and you know, so guys like that would write me up like that, and it was all positive. And then the day my career, when I went through the roof, when my HBO special aired, which was um, uh, New Year's Eve, uh, 88 going into 89, mm -hmm. the very next day, the New York Times started the whole thing by writing the headline, The Demise of Western Civilization. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was great up to this point. Right. Now that I'm going to make a few bucks, it's no good. But you're smart enough. You know? but, but you're smart enough to know that when that happens, when the the media goes after you, it only galvanizes your fan base. It's not dissimilar in a weird way to what but, Trump does now, where your fan base is like, "Fuck the New York Times, fuck Time Magazine, fuck uh, fuck Bill Cosby." Well, by the way, well, who would always dump well, on you? All of them. Right. You know, the only one that really backed me up a hundred percent was Eddie Murphy. I mean, yeah. he was amazing with me, but. Other than him and Arsenio having me on all the time. Right. You know, and, you know, you, you, every comic was doing morning talk shows, like how I shouldn't even be allowed to perform. Uh, it was the crazy. So my wall personally went up. Like, I, I didn't want to bother with anybody. Yeah. What? You know what I mean? The, fan, the fans were amazing. To this day, they're amazing. I'm, you know, I made it 30 years ago, and I'm just, I'm cooking. 
It's, it's just amazing. What do you want? And, um, but but the, 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 the media, you know, came after me for years. There was no end to it. What, 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 so you said, you know, I'm always curious about your trace. So for me, you kind of showed up. The first time I ever saw you, oddly enough, was on Different Strokes as a kid, right? You were on a couple of episodes. You were uh, like the, the bully. Yeah, was, that was, yeah, as I was developing my acting career. Right. Career, I was developing my stand-up so career. do you move out to LA at that point no no I was I was in LA by February I started I know my career because people now talk to me about doing docs and uh sure sure and, and like uh, uh, uh big like uh like there's this one guy that wrote um straight out of Compton I've had some meetings with he he's writing like the dice biopic you know and so, so I know my history pretty good as far as when I started. I started at Pips in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. September 13th, 88, okay? Not 88. That's when I got on stage. You know, that's, no, 78. 78, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. September 13th, 78. Yep. Went on with my with a different act, obviously. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the Jerry Lewis character, the Nutty Professor. <laughs> right. And I would turn into John, I would turn into John Travolta from Greece. Right. And the place went berserk. Yeah. And it was an audition night, and I got hired to headline that weekend. And Paul Reiser and Larry Miller were on that same bill, and that's where I became friends with them. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, nobody goes up the first time and gets hired to headline the show. Sure, sure. On the weekend. Right, sure. It was just a, a certain kind of act. I'd end by doing the whole Grease Lightning number that Travolta did in Grease. Grease and Fever were still in, in theaters. Yeah. It was good. So so right from the start, I, I knew I wanted to be the actor, but I figured why not use a comedy stage rather than going to acting school, let's say, once a week? Why not use a comedy stage that I could be up there every night because producers, directors, they all go to comedy clubs. So I was, I was, I started in 78 September and wound up by February 79, which, you know, was the very next, like six months later, I'm at the comedy store. Oh, this fucking audition. Oh, oh, you're going to love this shit. I know this is a podcast. It's the only reason I'm, I heard you curse before. Say whatever you want. Um, I can't believe I'm telling you that. Yeah. So what happened is I, I fly out to, uh, L.A. I'm only supposed to be here two weeks. Okay. And I go on at the comedy store and, you know, you're supposed to do like three minutes, something like that. Yeah. Okay. I do 28 minutes. All right. And the owner of the comedy store is there. Who I, I didn't meet anybody yet. I just go on, do my thing. And as I'm coming off the stage, this fucking guy starts yelling at me in the aisle. He was DMC. You know. And he's going, who the fuck you think you are to go up there 28 foot? You nearly did a half hour. And I just look at the guy. This is the thing people in California don't understand. They don't know what it is to get a punch in the face. Okay? Okay. So I just look at this guy and I go, do I know you? Like, who are you? I am see this fuck. He's screaming. I go, are you the owner of the club? Well, no, I, you need to get out of my way. Okay, so the next morning I get a call from the comedy store that now I'm a paid regular. 
I mean, that's how quick I got into the comedy store. So I really never went home. You know, my first visit home was nine months later. You know, so I just used the comedy. I thought the acting thing would take off bigger than the stand-up thing. I didn't give a shit about stand-up. Right. Well, you, you did, know, when yeah. I started out. Because you did an episode. I, you no, did an episode. I mean that, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I did, I did lots of episodes. I did MASH, I right? did MASH. Yeah. I did the different strokes. I, I was, uh, you know, I was doing uh, Michael Mann's crime story. Right, right, know, right. Uh, four, four, four months after crime, you know, I did movies like Casual Sex and Pretty in Paint. Mm-hmm. I was, like, making the grade. I was, like, part of the, uh, the Brat Pack almost. You know, right. it was funny. But, but once I did the Rodney special... And uh, they were gonna they were gonna cancel Crime Story, which had people like Dennis Farina, mm-hmm. um, and not just everybody, Kevin Spacey, Spacey uh, yeah, yeah. David Caruso, David Caruso, uh, Michael Madsen, um, uh, uh, Ted Levine, uh, just every guy that took off into the industry, Tony Dennison. I mean, it was an amazing show, but it was before its time. So the ratings weren't as big. It was regular network. And I go for coffee with uh, with Michael Mann, and I'm in a body cast because they blow me up out of a car, supposedly, right. in the show. And I'm sitting there in, in Vegas. He drove me through the desert in his Camaro, and I'm falling all over the car like a, like a sitcom, you know. <laughs> now we're in a diner. No, listen to Now we're in a fucking diner. In the Peppermill Diner in Las Vegas, and he goes, "What do you need to talk to me about?" You know, you know, he's still laughing from the car ride. You know, right? And I'm smoking a cigarette through the cast. You know, one arm is up. <laughs> you know, and I go, "You don't want to cancel Crime Story." He goes, "Yeah, tell me why." He goes, "We're not getting the ratings." And at that time, this was a lot of money. What I'm going to tell you, and it was like, it was like a million and a half to do an episode because it was the sixties. You know, the, the time period. Oh, it was a period show. Yeah, uh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just to let you know what crime story wound up, uh, in a, a few years after that, the movie Casino. It's, it's, the, the story, crime story, is a real story about those guys. Real? Okay, yeah, yeah. And so Scorsese took it and he made the movie Casino. Right. Because it was really, and I, play, I played in the series, the guy De Niro was in the movie. Oh, that the, was my part. Guy who runs the guy who runs a if casino. You remember in, yeah, yeah. And if you remember in the movie, they blow him up. Also. Oh, in the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going the car. It, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a true story, right? You know. So so at that point, do you just say anyway? Oh, no, good. No, no. But I'm sitting with Michael Mann, and I'm you know I'm I don't know 29 years old. I'm like just about the youngest guy in the cast, and. He goes, so why don't I want to cancel? I go, you don't understand. In a couple months, I'm going to be the biggest star in the world, and your show is going to go through the fucking roof. <laughs> and he goes, all right, so how does this biggest star in the world thing work? <laughs> right. This is hysterical. Right. Because Michael Mann, you know, he did giant movies. He did Miami Vice. Oh, yeah. You know, he's about, he's about I don't know, how old was Michael at that time? Probably about 47 years old, I'd say, 48. You know, so this is a seasoned producer, director, writer. He's got this young guy there going, I'm the, you know, give me three months. I'm the biggest thing in the world. 
So he goes, well, how does that work? I go, well, I just shot. And you got to understand, he didn't know I'm a stand-up. When I got the part, he pulled me off of an audition tape for the show. Right. So he just looked at me as an actor. I go, well, I just did this Rodney Dangerfield young comedian special. And when it airs, I'm going to be the biggest comic in the world. Yeah, that was your breakout for sure. And right? he no, but, but he starts laughing. Right. You know, and he goes, look, Dice, I love you as an actor, and I wish you a lot of luck with whatever, you know, skit you did on the Rodney. I go, no, you don't understand, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's cut to two years. So the Rodney special is right. exactly 10 years, February 13, 88 now. Ten years after I started, okay, basically. Yeah. All right? So it is on a Saturday night. Monday, I'm the biggest comic in the world. Within months, I'm doing sold-out arena shows. Yeah, how does that How does okay, that, went, How does does that? that work financially? Like, so that happens. The Rodney thing blows up, like you said. What, oh, I mean, no, it was, it, was, it was Monopoly money. It was stupid. It just know? becomes Ridiculous. total. You, you go from playing, like, so what's, you go from playing 600 seat places to... To arenas, no? No, no, I wish, no, from 200 to places. Right. You know, to, to, but see, I always geared myself as the dice thing developed. To get bigger and bigger? You know, yeah, like, I, I once had this, um, by accident, of course, uh, I'm sitting at a counter in, in Hollywood, California, in a diner called Ben Frank, which is now, uh, you ever come out to L.A.? You ever go yes. to Mel's on Sunset? Yes, I have, yep. All yep. right, that's, and, all right, they changed the name, but the building is the same exact building. That was that was called Ben Frank. It's now Mel. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting at the counter, and all of a sudden, some guy goes, "You mind if we sit over here with you?" And it's Muhammad Ali, and I guess his bodyguard. All right, which I can't even i I can't fucking believe. <laughs> right, right. I'm right. not even I'm not even into sports or fight, but Muhammad Ali I follow because. He's the greatest. Sure. That's all there is to it. Yeah. I, loved, I loved everything about that fucking guy. Okay. So he starts talking to me. Because at first, I'm looking down. I don't even know where the fuck to look. It's fucking, why am I sitting next to Muhammad Ali? You know, having, having scrambled fucking eggs. Anyway. Uh, so he, he finally turns to me. He goes, so, so what do you, uh, what do you do out here? You know, you know, and I'm like, uh, I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm the greatest also. You know? <laughs> but quite, quite, kind of, kind of meek. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. He goes, oh, so you're a fighter? You want to be the greatest like me? No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm going to be the greatest, but I'm a comedian. I go, but I, I always loved your attitude, and that's the attitude you got to have when you're going for something like that, or else you never get halfway there, right? You know? Mm-hmm. And and he's looking at his guy and he's putting his arm around my shoulder. I like this guy, you know, you know. And I go, yeah, I'm going to be the biggest comic that the world ever saw, you know. And and, and, and he wished me luck. And he was as cool as could be, you know. And it, even telling you this story now, it's like a surreal story. Yeah. And and then years later, after I made it, I was friends with his daughter May May, who does comedy, and. I told her the story when I met him when I was young. And she actually asked him about it. And she comes back. She goes, no, he doesn't remember. 
That's perfect. No, but though. what was great is, but see, I get that all the time now where people come over to me that maybe I met 30 years ago, 35 years ago. I can't remember. You can't remember everybody sure. you met. Yeah. They remember meeting you because you are the guy that made it. But it's impossible to meet every hand you shook or everybody you took a picture with or talked to for three minutes. You can't remember that shit. But I remember it. And then it happened. You know? And then after the Michael Mann thing, two years later, we're at a party together, one of these Hollywood parties. And I'm talking to Michael. And we talk about that little meeting we had. And he goes, Dice. What would you have said to a guy telling you? <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm going to give me three months and I'm the biggest star in the world. You would have laughed in his face like <laughs> I did to you. you know? Yeah, true. But it happened. That, that's the bottom line. Nice. How close you know, are you? To this day, you know, to this day, you know, comics want to do that. They want to become that. So, it's you know, I influence these. You know, it's great that I've influenced these generations of comics. It's amazing. Well, it's funny. You were uh, you were uh, a sort of a you, you had this period. Where you, were, you were the biggest comedy star in the world of all time at your peak. Then you kind of went away from the public eye. But now it's interesting to see this generation of comics who like aren't afraid to say that you're an influence. For a while, it was almost taboo. You had a huge fan base, but it's almost taboo to say, "Oh, I like Dice." But now it's it's as big as ever. Because it's it's the newer generation of comics. It's guys like Bill Burr and Joe Rogan that are, you know, really confident in what they do. You know, especially Joe Rogan's been like, Joe Rogan goes nuts when the Andrew Dice play Instagram because I do all these clips right. with my opening act, uh, Eleanor Kerrigan, you know, who's who's now, she's starting to really cook and, and, and headline all the clubs because... You know how hard it is for a girl to open my shows, you know, and she just, she just fucking crushes everywhere. Right. You know? Right. Like I'll say to her, you're getting too good for me to follow. You know what I mean? And uh, she's just amazing. But I'm saying, you know, Joe Rogan just loves, you know, these crazy clips I put up there. People actually go nuts from them. I don't you know, and everybody goes, it's got to be a show. It's got to be a show. You know, if I ever meet the producer that'll finally do my show the way I want it done, I'll go back on TV and do it. And if not, I don't care. I, you I, know, I just don't. I don't, you know, I like the live thing now anyway. I got to tell you, before I forget, there's one with the, the fucking episode when Adrian Brody plays you on your Showtime show was one of the funniest half hours like in television like how did that even happen what, what, what how did that that, that was well, that was an unbelievable episode well it, it was an idea that you know that that we had you know to have somebody do that and the manager i had at the time was friends with adrian and adrian said i'm not even going to do any acting this year except for that show right and we we just became great friends from there. He's just a, he's an awesome guy. He's just a great guy on top of, you know, an Academy Award winning fucking method actor. He's right. amazing. Well, his performance yeah. is, his performance is, legi- like, is legitimately unbelievable. Like it was creepy almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think it's involved in it. Yeah, right. Because, right. 
you know, when, when he would turn into it, he would stick with it. You know, that's what method actors do. They become that thing, you know, and that's what he did. You know, and, and right. it was just amazing. Dice, you how, know, I love that guy. How, uh, how close were you to playing Pesci's role in My Cousin Vinny? And was it the SNL and MTV stuff that made that fall through or was it something else? Well, well, I had a three-picture deal with 20th Century Fox, oh, and I can't go into that whole story. It's just too long of a yeah, story. No, that was a question. You know, I, I think we've gone past the 10 minutes, but you guys are so cool. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just enjoying telling you fucking shit, you know. Well, we, no, because when I do these concerts, when I, you know, I got to come in. What, I don't even know what I'm promoting. What? What show am I even promoting? Med- Medford. Here, you're, uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to promote it. Boston. Yeah, we're going to be in. Uh, you're going to be Medford, we're, Massachusetts next Friday. Oh, yeah, we're we're, we're, both, yeah, we're, we're we've been promoting it all week. Don't worry, we're going to promote the shit out of it for you. I mean, yeah. we're we're looking no, forward to it. No, what I'm saying is, I'm doing concerts on my own. Yep. Um, doing some concerts, me and Roseanne, Mister Mrs. America. Yep. You know, uh, doing those shows. I don't know what I'm even promoting when I make these calls anymore. Right, right. It, it's been pretty nutty, but then I'm on stage and I really get to enjoy it because I got all this, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, live off, like when you talk about the Dice Man Cometh, you know, I, I actually have to say I was pretty good back then, but now to see me, you know, you, you're talking 30 years later, 30 years of doing my job later. Right. So if you watch you know, that, so if you, the, so, oh, sorry, Dice. So if you watch Diceman, like if we watch a Diceman Cometh together, like what would be, now the 30 years later, I totally get it. What would you look at and say, oh, geez, like that's, that doesn't work. Or I would do that. No, no, it, 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 no if you want to know something, if they yeah. had that special today, it would, it would hold up. Oh, I'm no question. saying my, my chops, it's like a musician or a right. ball player or like anything. If you're really into what you do, I've never lost that feeling to be the greatest. To be, if I'm going to call myself the greatest, no matter who's out there, I got to be able to go on a stage and prove it. You know, anybody can walk around and go, oh, I'm the best there is. Yeah, show me. Show me how fucking good you are. are you- See, I'm willing to go up there and prove that shit. You know, so, you know, about the only thing I used from the, the act that you knew of, uh, is the Mother Goose stuff, which I like to close with because it's just one of those signature pieces that your audience loves to do with you. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't mind doing that, and it's fun to do it, and it's amazing how much they love to do it. Oh, sure. Still, it's like, yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. But no, other than that, it's like, you know, the act is just, it's modern. It's today. I'm not living off of uh you know, let's say the gay bit from years ago. You know, if I talk about anything uh, all, you know, fagged out or something, it's from today. You know, when, right. when I talk about the, um, you know, the half chicks or whatever the fuck they are today, you know, uh, that became popular through Caitlin, you know, whatever. You know, so I do bits on all of that stuff, but it's not from 100 years ago. Like and and it's not from A to Z. When I go on stage, I really hand tailor the show for what I'm feeling from the audience. But you're not. But you're not like afraid of the. But you're not afraid of the PC culture. I mean, you can't. If you're going to do your job as a comedian and a great comedian, you can't sit there and worry about I don't back, backlash, right or no? I, I, are you kidding me? <laughs> right, that's what I, I had. A, right, that's I, that's what I meant. I, I 
I'm, I'm, I'm great. After what, see, today comics are afraid because you, they're trying to get on HBO and Showtime and Netflix. Yeah, you don't care. And those people turn around and go, if you do this bit, we're not putting you on. You know, so they, how do they start their career? I'm grandfathered in. I fuck everybody where they breathe. I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> right, I right. say what I want. I do what I want. I, I've, I've lived exactly the way I feel like living, even when I was being attacked by the media for, I don't know, about five years. So I stopped doing the arenas right. in around 95. I, I, and then and then the media came after me because I wasn't selling out arenas. I was only doing between five and 10,000 seats a night. <laughs> Right. So, right, right. if a comic today is doing five thousand seats, he's a fucking superstar. Sure, but when Dice was doing five thousand seats, oh, he's over. They just kept trying, but here we are, two thousand nineteen, and I gotta say, you know, in the past, today, the present, and like always, Dice does the fucking. <laughs> You're not gonna fuck with dice. <laughs> the angrier you get me, the better I am. Dice does the fucking. That's it. I, and I try to tell that to people. I don't know why. I you can't know? believe that they don't. They don't understand. That's perfectly reasonable to me. Dice does it, the fucking. <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. To, it doesn't matter if it's in my personal life or a relationship. Doesn't uh-huh. matter if it's in my professional life. When somebody tries to fuck with me. I'll look at them and go, listen, uh-huh. I know what you're trying to do here, but as I've always said, all these years now and forever, Dice does the fucking. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Even when I did Entourage, okay, when I did Entourage, that show was on for eight years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I did the, the final season, which was, the starting, the real starting point for my career again, to blow it up again, and then I went on to all these great projects like with Scorsese, all that stuff. Sure, Stars Born, and, um, yeah, yeah. But but the but the rap party on the T-shirt wasn't a picture of the whole entourage. It was just me, <laughs> and it said Dice does the fucking. So what does that tell you? Please, <laughs> I can't even take. I'm lucky I'm comfortable in my own skin that I like being me. I wonder, you know, because you know, some people just. Yeah, go ahead. You know, you know e- even my new chick, she, you know, who knew really nothing about me, which is she knows who I am. And she would hear me on Howard Stern all the time, you know, and, and she did, you know, just turn legal. So I got to give her that, <laughs> she just, you know, just, she no, just turn legal. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm messing around. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, but she goes, because she's seen a bunch of shows now, and she goes, I, I can't believe how, like, audiences, like, react to you. And I'm like, sweetheart, listen to me. Look at me when I talk. I said, look at me when I talk to you, okay? Reasonable, yeah, sure. Let me, let me just explain that the audience understands it does the fucking. <laughs> seems to be the, 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 the theme of everything. <laughs> That's all I need you to know. <laughs> seems because, fair. That's a good when, good relationship when, starting point. When, I said, when we get in bed, who does the fucking? <laughs> I guess it's you. Yeah, I, I thought that was going to be. 
I mean, I let them take over at a certain point. Sure. Why not? Yeah. It's like, show me, show me that you could do the fucking, and that will make us a complete couple, and that's romantic. <laughs> that is romantic. You know, but it's so romantic. When you're blowing your taste on somebody's chick, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I do. I do. All over, that, all over that cheeks and that fucking big fucking horse tits. You go, I mean, this is look a at that. True. Look at that. that. You know, that this is beautiful. It is. He's so happy. That is really romantic. I didn't yeah. know you were so romantic. No, no, always, always. That's one thing the public never knew about me. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, absolutely. like I'm nice enough to blow my load on somebody's kids and go, do yourself a favor, take a picture, and send it to all your girlfriends and go, guess whose paint? That is. <laughs> so that's, that's, that is really thoughtful. I didn't know you were that thoughtful. No, no. A lot of people didn't know that You're, about me. Jeez, that's very that's, sweet. No, it's just something about me. Like, I, I try to, you know, my sons are, uh, you know, they're the band. No one cares. You know, I'm, I'm not really. This isn't me. Yet this is the father in me talking about. They just did, like. Sonic Temple, they've done Ozfest, they're mm-hmm. like this two-piece, like, great rock band called No One Cares, whatever. Okay, yeah. So, they're in, the point I'm getting at, they're in their 20s, you know, uh, tonight's actually going to be fun, they're opening for this, like, super group at the Whiskey, and, um, but, you know, I teach them about the pace, you know what I mean? <laughs> I go, always, like, when you start going with a girl, Give her a pint of paste on her belly. Go <laughs> take the picture. It, it, it's the first batch I'm giving you. So, And if we fall in love, uh-huh. you want to look back in the photo album, you know. Sure. And, and instead of putting up pictures on Instagram and Facebook uh-huh. of the fucking sushi ate that night, put your belly up there with my face. <laughs> it's more interesting. So you're so – you're, Well, I'm trying. So I have a son. He's younger than that. So you're saying at some point I should tell my son, give him that same advice. That's just good parental advice. Well, in this day and age, because (laughs) what what you're not getting, Uh you know, see, I'm a guy that doesn't bullshit myself. Right. And the my son's at 25 and 29 now. Okay. Well, one's going to be 25. One just turned 29. Yeah. So. I'm very close with my sons. Basically, since they're born, I hung with them. Okay. Okay. And so we have a relationship where we could talk. But what do you think? They don't know what filthy little slobs the millennials are. <laughs> that this is that that generation <laughs> that grew up on internet. These kids are looking at porn in the fucking fourth grade. Uh, don't don't tell me that, please, you know? God. I know. So, I know. I know. No, no. Well, if you don't, if you don't teach, I taught my kids don't ever go to that shit. When they were young, they, I would scare the fuck out of them to make sure they didn't eat, whether they were at home or at a friend's house, never to look at that shit. Right. You know, I, I'd mentally fuck them over. <laughs> that that they, no, I got because you. I didn't want them. Okay, so they grew up half normal in that way. But right. if you watch like uh, the show that's been airing on. HBO, oh, Euphoria. Christ, yeah, Euphoria. Holy fuck, that's scary. That's the scariest no. show of all time. I'm serious. Do you know? Do you know why? It's the most 
true show right. about the millennials. Jesus Christ. That's the problem. Yeah. It means nothing for a girl to take four or five dicks in her mouth well. and then go to the diner and wash it down with a cup of coffee. <laughs> it means nothing to them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I had to make sure that my sons didn't grow up thinking that women, and this is the truth, Sergeant, aren't just, you know, like to do like, you know, you know, the minute you were a girl, I'll stick it in my asshole. You know what I mean? I do. I didn't want them to grow up. No, serious. I didn't I want do. them to grow up thinking that's what real romance is about. But the way they show euphoria, a lot of parents don't watch that kids like that. So they grow up. And that's why euphoria is so fucking frightening. But that's how they truly are today. That's what goes on. How did you, you know? Yeah. And my son, you know how I told you my son's that rock band, right? Yeah. Now, normally rockers want to pick up the fucking groupies sure. one after the other. My son's going through the things. I'm looking for that, like, one special girl. You know, not a girl that could shoot a carrot out of a box across the room <laughs> and knock a candle off the table. They just want, like, one really. They're, like, skill. old school as far as. They're old school as far as how they think about women. They they want to be like nice guys, not like not like I was. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. so you're and, and and definitely not like the millennials, you know, who are just a bunch of dummies. <laughs> so you're you're tor- so real. I know you've you've given more time than, than we had asked for. We appreciate, it. but can you just walk me through real quick how you wound up? doing this tour that's coming up with Roseanne. Have you been friends with her for a long time or how does that work? Yeah, I'm, I'm friends. I'm friends with her for a long time. And I hated the girl was on ambient. Number one, she's not a racist in any way, shape or form. I know this girl 33 fucking years, right? She was on ambient. I've been on ambient. What got me crazy. It was studio execs take ambient and know, and you know what happens. Anybody that's ever taken ambient knows what could happen. If you don't go right to sleep, okay? You turn into characters. You fucking just put ketchup on both sides of the fucking refrigerator and eat it. You know, <laughs> this is what happens. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so she said something dumb, you know, which, you know what? Personally, I never even listened to it. I didn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, but doesn't it? So, uh, no, 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 I'm listening, but I'm, doesn't it scare you? No, so, uh, no, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I, I got a question about no, it, but go so, ahead. So yeah, what yeah. I did, so uh, we were on the phone. I told Ribs in, why don't you just meet me in Vegas? I want to show you something. And I brought her on stage. She got a standing O. She got a standing O going off the stage. And then uh, I called my agent to handle her and let's book some shows because I, I'm a guy that knows what it is to have everybody against me. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. And nobody coming to defend. And that's what I did with Roseanne. What I find amazing. She's a great comedian. Yeah. You know, and, you know, whatever you say, you know, that's like blaming somebody for something they said on fucking LSD. Right. You know. Right. right. You know, well, I, just, I, just, I, I just think it's amazing in comedy now, like this all the stuff that's going on with Chappelle this past week. It's mind roasting to me. The comedian goes on, does their job, says funny, interesting stuff, and people want to silence them when they say shit. It, to me, it's just so wild. I mean, you know better than anybody. It's just I, wild. Yeah. No, wait. I got a. I got a question. Yeah. Because personally, I, I don't follow 
whatever Chappelle or any other yeah, comic yeah. does, really. Yeah. But what what happened with him? So Chappelle, yeah, yeah. So Chappelle does this Netflix special, right? And he goes in on everybody the okay. the LGBTQ community. Uh, uh, Michael Jackson, he defended Michael Jackson, and all these people are talking about banning him, and they need to do this, and they need to silence him. And the guy does a really funny forty minutes of stand up in a certain block, and it's mostly the really liberal block want him not to speak anymore. It's just it's madness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you know. I that. love it. <laughs> no, it, it. Oh my god! Number one, all right. Just on the Jackson issue, yeah. With the with the assholes that produced this just to make money, that mm-hmm. fucking dumb special that I, that I couldn't watch for more than three minutes because both the guys on there were just bad fucking actors. Uh, you know. All right, this is the bottom line. Cause mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I'm a guy that for the three months I was in college, I was going to go to college to become an attorney. Okay? Right. All right. So let's go back in time a little to the first time Michael Jackson was accused, you know, or semi-accused of fucking around with a kid. Okay. Okay? Yeah. All right. So even on that first time, you know, I was with uh, my second wife. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, I, I've, I've had a bunch of wives. Okay. So I'm with my second wife. And I remember watching TV. And I just said to her, I go, never happened. He didn't lay a finger on this kid. And she goes, how do you know that? I go, you got to understand. And at that time, Michael Jackson was probably in his 40s already. That's probably right. Okay. Yeah. But you got to figure he started touring with his brothers at about 12 years old. So let's say he was, I don't know, let's say he was 18 when he started having sex with kids, okay? Mm-hmm. Supposedly. This guy traveled the whole fucking world over and over and over again. But when this kid came out and, and said whatever, the first kid, where were some other kids from around the world that he fucked around with that are now grown men? That aren't afraid anymore to talk about it, right? Well, but Think yeah, but that. but like, that, but the, just one, right, but no, that but I'd say was, no, that's fair. No, but that's the bottom line, right? That's because, fair, but I would I say, say I didn't have I didn't have one one night stand. I fucked girls in every state I went to. <laughs> it's what I do. That I believe. I believe so, that. So right. if, if if one girl came out and said I had a one night stand with dice, well, there's going to be. 200 others that go, yeah, me too. Yeah, but you I know think, what I, I mean? Sure, but I would That's say, like, but, but for but, but for an example, though, so when that woman sued Cosby in 95 the first time, no other women spoke up then. Not, but, uh, no, but you know what I'm saying? So, no, like, no, no, but, 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 but that had been going on for 30 years. You know what I mean? All right, but listen, listen. This is going on. So now another kid comes out years later. Right. Okay? Yeah. Who, by the way, his father was a low-level movie producer, mm-hmm. you know, who who set it up. And that's why the kid at the last minute back then said it didn't really happen. So now here, years later, and Michael's gone, can't even defend himself. You know, they do this fucking uh, documentary with the same two guys that are now like, what, in their 40s? 30s, 50s, 40s, yeah, something like that, are. yeah. And the documentary's okay. like six hours, too. Yeah. Okay. So... They couldn't get any other, other than those two guys that came out when they were children. Where were some more? You couldn't get 
one more from around the world in fucking Japan where the Jacksons always toured, where Michael always toured, or, or Europe somewhere. Not one more to put in your special. It was an acting thing. It was a money-making fucking thing. He never laid a hand on anybody. You know, that's well, you, just the way it goes. It, I, because there would have been so many of them coming out. And the mother, the dumb fucking mother. That's unbelievable. That is, enough, I, I'm it, with you on that. That is where, fucking unbelievable. Yes, you're right. You're right. It was. It, it, it's all about money. They didn't even have the story together. If my, if I was staying in a room with fucking Elvis or something, and all of a sudden the bodyguard goes, "Well, the suite next door is not. A, we're going to put you on the other side of the fucking hotel." My mother would have said, "Send my." fucking kid the fuck out there or I'll come in there and I'll club the guy to well not even that dice they went she she tells the mom tells a story about how she would let Jackson fly with this kid without the family like he would take she he would take her Jackson would take this kid to other parts of the world without the mom I'm with you on that the mom the mom is not a great character in that I agree these you just said the right word not a great character they paid him that's it that's my opinion let me because there would have been so many people that came out and talked about if even if they just used the two guys and the special ad, the doc ad, other guys from all around the world would have been coming out and going, he did it to me, too. But nobody's doing it because it wasn't happening. Let me. He didn't like touching himself. Forget about others. Did you ever meet him? You know, Did you ever meet him at all or no? No. 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 But I, I would have loved to. I thought he was like unreal. The um, Him, Prince, you know. I started at the beginning, the first question. I want to ask this, just, you know, you give us way too much time. We appreciate it. And we're going to promote the hell out of your stuff. But the um, the Cosby, yeah. I, I, so I, read, I read some stories about you just doing some quick research. Uh, I'll tell you, Cosby took a lot of shots at you in the late 80s. And, and while he's doing this. While he's making moral judgments on you, the guy is freaking drugging and raping women left and right. Like, this guy would wave that moral wand. Meanwhile, he's the most prolific rapist maybe in American history. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I never, ever think of him. <laughs> yeah. I just I, I couldn't care less about him, really. And, and you know, like he, that's what I mean. When you're drugging and raping, that's a whole different... Oh, of course. That's a whole different breed of cat. And, uh, Obviously, now he's paying the price. Who the fuck wants to be in jail at that age? Oh, shit. Oh, you know shit. what I mean? At any age, but, you know, but they got him for it, and that's that. So, what- know, so but I, I didn't wish him jail time because he didn't like my comedy. Oh, I know, I know, I know. You know, he got jail time. He got jail time because he's a fucking rapist. That's it. What do you think of, uh, I was, the one other comedian I want to ask you about was Seinfeld. You know, he does this comedian stuff. He seems like he very, he's very now preachy about comedy do you do, you must know him from years back do you like him do you not like his act would you you know uh, you know what like i say i really don't pay attention to not, a lot of comics I know all, Jerry, yeah. jerry's a very uh he's a very strong stand-up you know uh i i think he's a pussy in a lot of ways you know what i mean he's like a, he's like you know like like he'll have uh sebastian maniscalco who who is influenced by me, and he talked about it recently on Stern, and yep. used to open for me years ago. And so, but he's got that dicey type of thing going on. We know that. Mm-hmm. He's still a great comic, Sebastian. 
My problem with Sebastian was he never really spoke about it. And that got me a little angry. And I went after him a little on Instagram. But then when he did Stern before he did the garden, you know, he said the right things. And, I, you know, and I wrote the appropriate things on Instagram. But what I'm getting at is, so Jerry, the, the, the good boy, had Sebastian uh, on his show. See, I've never really been one of the pack. Right, that's like what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And, but yet, I'm a guy that likes Seinfeld, and Seinfeld knows it. Why wouldn't I get the call for that? With I agree. I'd, who the hell wouldn't I watch mean, that? I mean, the bottom line, you know, the only other one that's done what I've done, and and I only wish him well because he had the, the, the actor. Yeah, Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart. Right. Yeah, I mean, he became the movie star and and the arena whatever comic i mean he didn't do two or three of them he does them the way i did it right okay he's the only other one to come along ever um sebastian's done some arenas bill burr even louis ck before he jerked off on the floor whatever you know he did and i like louis you know and, and i'm like he didn't even he was nice enough he didn't even ask for the help but the <laughs> right, point Mike? is you're damn right does no but what i'm saying is you know, um, Kevin's the only one to really do it. You know right. what I mean? Just become the rock star comic. So just with my history, what, why, from every comic, if I was Seinfeld, I'd be, I want Dice to be the very first comic oh, no, I interview. Dice, no brain. They have fucking Amy Schumer they, on but, there. I mean, it's, 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 no, it's but, ridiculous. I'm saying, but I don't put Amy down. I don't put any of them down. But I'm saying, that's like a pussy. Like, right. oh, because it's like going to school. I'm the guy in the leather jacket, and you're the guy in the SP class. Oh, look, I got an A+. plus. You know what I mean? Right. That's an asshole thing to do. Because if you're going to talk about comics and their careers and their history, I don't know. I would, I would want to interview the biggest comic there ever was in the world. That's the bottom line. Do you think you know, it's? Do you think you, you, know, you think part of it is like a, a snobby thing? Like, oh, he 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 does dirty. It, he does. It's that, very that. exactly. I, I hung out with Jerry in front of uh in front of a Jerry's diner. This isn't even that long ago, and I like the guy. I don't really have anything against him. Okay, and he's talking about how he did like seven thousand people or something like in Europe or this place. Or, I'm going. Let me see you do it here. You know, right. Everybody's in other countries selling out the biggest places. Let's see. Let's see you do it here, <laughs> like at home. Right. And then I said to my God, what, what me and you should do is we should go into, let's say, because he's from Long Island. You know, I go, we should go into Nassau Coliseum and just call it Dirty First Clean. And it's me and you in concert. Right. And he said, oh, that would be a great. That would be a great idea. <laughs> Who are those people? <laughs> you know, but but as far as a comic, I'm not going to knock him down because he is funny. But, you know, I, I do find that a real fucking pussy move. You know, like he'll go on Stern and he'll say good things about me. You know, it's all the covering up. But, and, and you want to grab him and go, Jerry, what's the problem? Your mommy didn't like what I did as a comic because <laughs> I talk about real shit. Right. You know, right. Didn't, didn't he like dump like just one girl to marry another fucking girl? Yeah, you know, he, why don't you talk about that? Talk about, 
talk about when you were dating the underage chick. Right, the uh, you know, high years school ago girl. That yeah, every, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Shauna. Right, With right. those big fucking meaty fucking tits. <laughs> that, that, That's her. That's right. That, that I like. I like her. I, I would have stuck my dick between those big fucking horses. <laughs> no better endorsement. I, I agree. Know? I agree. So, and I re- and I remember running into you know uh, Seinfeld back then even, you know, because she did turn eighteen soon enough. But it's amazing he didn't get in trouble. For no, that total pass. Total pass. He, he, total pass because he's PG or G rated. If it was dice, I'd still be in prison. <laughs> Do you, do, do you do you think uh, uh, you meant this is a big part of your, your history with me and you as well and uh, as a fan of yours you mentioned him a couple of times do you think you said Seinfeld has Stern become a pussy as well? No, Stern. Listen, Stern. Nobody's ever going to be him again. No, of course like, not. I used to think. No, well, I used to think like, who's ever going to come along in, in radio? Let's say. And prepared. It's never happening again. No, it's a one of a kind. No way. So, yep. so you know, through the years, I mean, you know, obviously, I know Stern since I made it. We've had great, you know, for the last, I don't know, over a decade, we're you know friends again. Like it's fun to do his show, and no, he does it. I think he does it just because he loves doing it. Now he doesn't need money or anything, right? No, I would he just, does no. it because he loves to do it. Yeah, no, he's he's not a pussy, and he took more chances than anybody in the history of radio. You know, and, but I'd wonder about it, and obviously podcasting is the new radio. Yep. Like, look at Joe Rogan. What does he have, like 18 million oh, listeners? Madness. You totally know, crazy, it, yeah. It, what it, happened to your it, podcast, Dice? I liked it. Uh, you know, they paid me like $3 at the end of the <laughs> So... And, and I really put my heart into stuff, you know, and I love doing it with my sons and Eleanor Kerrigan and my uncle Lee. And we had some great guests, but you know, it's like, you should have paid me a little bit more just to, uh, it was like a bullshit thing. So, so I can't put that kind of energy into something, you know, unless I'm at least getting a salary of some kind, yeah. you know, cause, because I don't get, I don't phone, I don't phone the shit in. Right. I made it really, I made it, I didn't just make it just a podcast. I made it a reality show, you know, that with moving cameras that would follow me. And, you know. Right, yeah, I like I There was a day you just left halfway through the show. <laughs> yeah, I think, I forgot what my check was when I got it. It was like, well, I, I think I could go to Starbucks. <laughs> you know, I think I got it. It was just, and I didn't fight with the producer of the show. They're not bad guys. But that was the like, Gas Digital on, Network, right? Dumb. Yeah, it, it was just dumb, you know. And it's like, all right, I'll buy it. I, you know, and I just sent them a text, thanks for it. But what I enjoyed was doing it with my sons. We had a blast doing it, you know. And uh, they actually opened up the studio in L.A. so I'd be able to do it. But it was like, come on, you know. I'm, I'm a guy that's been through it. So I know when I'm getting fucked over. At least that's what I thought, you know. Right, right. So I just stopped doing it, you know. You know, because I got all these shows. I got all these concerts. I get I get offers to shit every week with the acting shit. I just fucking turn it down unless it's something special, you know, like, like the last thing I did was A Star Is Born. That was a special thing. Right. So unless it's something with great actors and, you know, I don't want to do it, you know, because 
you spend a lot of time on a set. Did you like working with Woody Allen? It it was amazing, you know, and and that guy, you know, he when I worked with like Woody and Scorsese, for these guys, just it's working with the very very best there is. I mean, you know, any any actor, if you ever said to an actor, you want to work with Woody Allen, you want to work with Scorsese, yes, of course, they're the best there is. They let you develop the character. They let you bring stuff to it. So, yeah, it, it was great, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, and and working with Cape Horn, you know, just the actors I got to work with. It's amazing. Right. You know, and, and she won the Academy Award. Yeah, best actress for it. Right, 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 right. You know, and, and it gives me a chance to, you know, to stretch my acting, you know, chops out. Um, all right. Well, yeah, well, well, again, you've stayed way too much. We appreciate it. So you're going to be in uh, Medford next Friday. Then you're in, we did a, a remote show from Foxwoods a couple weeks ago. You're going to be there uh, Saturday, a week from Saturday as well. We'll promote that all week. Uh, and hopefully we can catch, we can catch up with you again wait. soon. Unless you want to stay on with us, which is fine with me. I don't care. No, no, I got to go. But <laughs> oh. wait, when am I in Medford again? Because I don't, the I don't really use the phone. You don't oh. use the phone? Is I that what you just realize. said? You're a week no, from. No, no, like there's, no, I'm, I'm. I got to call somebody because I didn't know I'm leaving to go do this. A week from Friday. I thought uh, it was like- I'll tell you right now, Dice. A week from Friday, you're in Medford, Massachusetts. I'll be there, by the way, uh, at the okay. uh, Chevalier Theater. Yeah. Then the next night, I know you're excited to see me. I'm sure you can't fucking wait to see me. It's be the thrill, yeah. of, your, thrill, yeah, of, thrill yeah, of your life. No, it'll be yeah. fun to be like meeting Bradley. It'll be very nice. Be like meeting Bradley Cooper for the first time. You'll be overwhelmed. Then the wait, next night, no, you're the next no, night, no, you're at the uh, Fox Theater at Foxwoods uh, that Saturday night. Oh, I do it. All right, I gotta make a call because you don't understand. I don't really believe in like the calendar system. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you, you might so, want to. You might. I mean, it I seems to be sticking around. I, I can't. I can't help you. I mean, this is Friday the thirteenth. Uh, you'll be in Medford. It's it's no, us here, and then next night you're at Foxwoods. No, no, I believe you. <laughs> you know, but yeah. No, you don't know what goes on when it comes to that stuff and stupid. So I gotta call someone to make sure I'm like set up to go. Because i got to get over there somehow. I'm in L.A. right now. And then the Mr. You and know, Mrs. Uh, uh, America tour starts later on that week with you and Roseanne. You start out, uh, you open it at uh, the Paramount in Hun- Huntington. What the fuck is wrong with me? We, I just got back. <laughs> no, really. You don't know. Go ahead. And, and you know what happens? I get yelled at for this shit a lot. Where are you getting confused? What's the issue? It seems pretty simple, no? No, what happens is I think I have like more time off ah, ah. than 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 it is. Well, you got a week, and then I'll get a no, but then I'll get a call like am I packed? We're leaving, and I'll be like, I didn't know it was this week. I, you know, I don't follow all that. You know, so uh, all right, so I'll take care. Of it. I'm I'm glad you're telling me, or else I, I won't even think about it. That's what I'm here right. for. That's all what right, I'm here for. I gotta go. All right, we'll see. You, I'll see you next. No. I really enjoyed that interview, and you could tell, uh, and Dice Clay did too, because you can hear it through a couple times where it sounded like he was only told to you know come on for you know ten fifteen minutes, and like I said, he did an hour, and I don't think Dice Clay somebody who's gonna give uh, an hour's time to just everybody, so that was really cool. Uh, that was really cool to hear, and you could definitely tell Kirk was also fucking really enjoying himself too. One of my other big takeaways from what uh, Dice said was, I, I really didn't know Dice, and he mentions it here where 
the first real introduction I have to uh, Dice was Entourage when he came in on the, towards the end and did the cartoon show, and he re- and he says that was a um, sort of renaissance in his career. So, in his credit, he was really really funny in it. And of course, now after listening to this, and he gets talked a little about quite a bit on KMS, he was I've you know been able to pay attention to him a little bit more, and he was also awesome in A Star Is Born. I think the one, the one and only complaint about it was art, and it's tough to do it on the phone. But I think you can tell, you know, just from who he is, that Dice is definitely not somebody who's a listener. And even, I mean, I said it before, Mike just poor Mike couldn't get a single fucking syllable in there, which made a fucking the whole hour way better. But even Kirk was, you know, trying to get shit in, and and Dice, you know, Dice didn't give a fuck. He was gonna say what he wanted to say. But still, overall, great interview. And obviously, DICE has done you know, a thousand different uh, promotions like that sort of thing since 2019 when this interview happened. But I would love to see him come back and do something with the show again, whether it's on the phone or Kirk travels to where he's doing his show. Or I'm sure, already, I'm sure DICE isn't going to come in and do the show. But again, I would love a round two with DICE for Kirk. And then a couple weeks later in September, Kirk gets Artie Lang on the show. And I admittedly know nothing about Artie, really. Like, I wasn't a stern guy. I wasn't... I knew he was, you know, lived this crazy life and, you know, read all the stories whenever he'd pop up, you know, in trouble pretty much. Uh, And admittedly, I think the only thing I really saw him in was Beer League. And part of my take did a... Uh, early part of my take did a uh, three uh, special, I guess you could call it, with uh, interviewing Artie, Jason Sudeikis, and Joe Buck about the Fox Sports show that I think is pretty uh, famous that a lot of you probably know about. And actually, if you're listening to this again live, I think Blind Mike just dropped an episode of his own about that, so definitely go check that out on blindmike.net. But you could definitely tell Kirk was excited about this interview. I think more than Dice because we all know Kirk's obsessed with Howard Stern and already obviously massive part of the Howard Stern show. And there's a lot of uh, Stern stuff in this interview. And as someone who didn't know Stern, I still found this so fascinating. And already told the really a lot of you know good stories. And as far as these three interview goes was definitely the most brutally honest about himself and and didn't really hold back any punches and I I like that about this interview. And unlike Dice, uh, Artie was definitely uh, listening and was more conversational and not just uh, you know trying to get off what he wanted wanted to say. So enjoy this. It's about 40 minutes long. Artie Lang on KMS September 27th, 2019. Pick it up. Good. What's up, Artie? <clears throat> All right, before we get to any of the other stuff, and there's fucking five million things to talk to Artie about, we talked about this the other day on the podcast. Can you explain to me, like, what the direction was from Saget to Rickles in that scene? Because, like, in the context of the movie, it really it really makes no actual sense. <laughs> I mean, it's a great well, scene. Uh, it's a great scene. All right. Well, there was no direction. Right. This, is, this is what happened. Uh I love Saget, but there was absolutely no way to direct Don Rickles. We made the mistake while the writers, Frankie and 
Sebastiano, who you know I wrote Beer League with, right? Fucking genius, and uh, and Norm and this other amazing guy Fred Wolf uh, who wrote it, and I tried to help out a little bit. Uh, we made the mistake of trying to write Don Rickles' insults in a script, <laughs> and Rickles. Rickles is like a Sinatra guy. He doesn't right. he doesn't memorize the script. You know, he just goes. So me and Norm look fucking ridiculous in those movies, you right, know, right, right. employee outfits. Uh, I look like an enormous ventriloquist dummy in the bow tie. <laughs> so we're like, let's let Don Rickles be Don Rickles. So Saget and, and, and the powers that be figured, said to Don, look, I'll just roll the cameras. Just look at Norm and Artie and insult them. Okay, so now you got to remember this. This is my first big movie, right? Right. right. It's 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 my first big scene in a big movie, and it's it, it's the first thing I'm doing. It's the first shot of the day on my first day of shooting. If you're gonna get fired from a big movie, it's gonna be that first so is, week. So, is, so this is the first because scene of of any movie, essentially big movie you've ever done. Is this scene? Ever. I've been right. on Mad TV for right. I've been on Mad TV for two years, but I had not done a movie yet. This is okay. the first day. Yeah, yeah. I'm with Don Rickles and he's gonna insult me. Now I don't know what he's gonna say. So the cameras are rolling, MGM executives are there, the producer, <laughs> Bobby Simon, big big deal. He produced all Sandler's movies. So Rickles just I mean Rickles just comes up to me with the camera rolling and looks at me and goes, Look at you, you baby gorilla. And then I just I, I just lost it. I lost it twenty straight times. I said, I'm not going to. So we had to do it in pieces. I, I finally got through that. And then he, he starts talking to my stomach. He goes, have a fun time in there. Ice cream. <laughs> uh, and then I lost it again. So so we somehow got through that. Then he has to insult Norm. Right. So in the movie, Norm's name is Mitch. Right. He goes up. Now, this actually got cut out because they couldn't use it. But he goes up to Norm in the movie and goes, how did you get a movie, Norm? And they go, cut. <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense. You can't insult, you can't insult him as Norm McDonald. It won't work in the movie. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. And then the next thing he says it, with the cameras rolling is, who wrote this script? It's terrible. Cut. You can't insult the script. <laughs> So what, it was. It was. A, it, it took twenty hours, but it was a blast. It what, was a blast. what are you laughing at? Because I called your friend a fat pig. Oh my god! <laughs> that face that Rickles makes it's so like, great. Like, like, down to five flips. Because I called your friend a fat pig, and then he does. Then he does racial shit that would be Never. cut out of every movie right. now. Right. Every right. movie. Uh, he, he said, like, you know, every, I'm gonna. You're gonna be taking tickets in Kuwait with everybody sucking sands. Uh, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. What's What's amazing is like, you know, I we talk about this stuff here all the time, but you know, the original Bad News Bears, or even yeah. Animal House, or All in the Family. Pick it. It's right. strange, like, and I understand why, but everything has gone backwards, and everything is less funny. Than it was forty. Like as 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 like there's been progress in the world, comedy, yeah. especially movies and TV, have gone yeah. so far backward. It's it's unbelievable. It's astonishing how people don't understand stuff is a joke. Eddie Murphy told Barbara Walters in an interview in 1986, and he said it the best. And to me, Eddie Murphy might be the most talented motherfucker that's ever lived. He said, if she said to him, "Is anything offensive?" He goes, if something's funny, it's not offensive. If you're laughing at something, you know, whatever, even if it's a joke on you, if you're laughing at it, intrinsically, it can't be offensive because you find it funny. So if you're at least trying to be funny, you should get a break going, look, I'm trying to be funny, bro. It's a, it's a joke. I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm not, you know, comedians aren't senators and, and congressmen right. making policy. We're, we're making jokes. We're, we're kidding around. Now, the biggest thing you could do wrong is not be funny, but as long as you're trying to be funny, and, and, and you said it right, the original band was Bears. 
I'll do, do you guys a favor by not actually quoting the movie. <laughs> the, well, oh, I mean, I mean, the, the famous, does, the famous Tanner Boyle speech. You know, okay, is, right, exactly. Right, right. He says the N word. He's a blonde-haired, eight-year-old, right, right. blonde-haired, blue-eyed, eleven-year-old kid. <laughs> right, whatever he is, right, in the fucking right, movie. Right. He says, "It was." Oh, there he is. And and it's hilarious because that because. What, what kids don't understand now, younger people don't understand in the politically correct media, and thank God you guys do. You know, I saw Portnoy on with uh, Dr. Carlson the other night. I cannot agree with him more uh, <laughs> about the political process nowadays. But, but, but with comedy, what people are not listening to is context. Context. Right. In what context are you using the words? They're, they're, they're making a point about society. The Bad News Bears is an amazing satirical film. Incredible. Not only is it, not only is it funny, it, it shows the mania of these people around Little League back then. I mean, how crazy the parents were and, and, and how nuts it was and how Walter Matthau was a guy who would tolerate anything from these kids, even that offensive. Well, That's the context of it. All people would hear nowadays, all critics of that film would hear nowadays, is the n-word they wouldn't hear the context of it at all and that's ridiculous yeah you know the other big moment i don't want to do 20 minutes in the bad news bears you know the big moment would be that people get all pissed off about today is vic morrow slapping this kid on the mound too everyone would be like right, Fuck. right. People, oh, yeah. people, people would fucking that but that is the movie though right that no, is the movie the movie is about parents who right, are crazy like that right and we and we know them we grew up with parents like i mean oh, that's what little oh, league yeah. was like is when you were i mean i'm not saying it was better but that's the way the world was Right, did my, you get... father, my, my father, who I nope. lived to death, I struck <sighs> out in 1977. I was 10 years old. My father my father uh, was driving me home in his van. He had sheetrock dust from working all over his arm. My father, who I loved, he saw me strike out when I was 10. He, he said, Art, you're swinging like a cunt. I mean, look, I, I, turned out, I turned out a hopeless drug addict, but I'm kind of successful, too. I don't know. <laughs> Do you I get, like that. It's good to point that okay. out. Well, in a family, no one would get. Oh, I mean, God. that's just a, they're goofing on him. Now, there's crazy people who agree with Archie Bunker seriously, but. You know, it is the other thing. They expect you to cater to stupid people. True. I refuse to do that. I refuse to do that. Well, every episode of All in the Family ended with Archie being the moron. Like that was, it's like Cartman in South Park. Like at the end of every episode, exactly. they're wrong. Absolutely. Like that's the whole fuck. That's what Norman Lear was saying. Exactly. But, but in some movies, uh, listen, back in the 70s, the heroes were insanely offensive. But it's like, again, they're characters in films. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Do you get kind of a pass? Because I, I've seen you to this day. I saw you in a podcast the other night, Legion of Skanks, where you were making jokes that an SNL cast member would be publicly hanged for. Do you get kind of a pass because of like the audience you have and that you were on Stern and all that? I, I think so. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm considered an OG at this point. <laughs> I, you know... I uh, I think uh, I mean listen I the only mainstream success I ever had I mean I, I was on Mad TV which was you know always second to SNL but it stayed on for 14 years but I think we got away with a, a lot more stuff and I'd always rather that the only mainstream success I ever had was standing next to a guy like Howard Stern I was next to him but my own shows and stuff my podcast I've never been you know uh, some some mainstream huge hit but I'm fine with that I'd rather be uncensored and have my core audience. And, you know, guys like you, who I respect, like, in what I do, um, that, that ever trying to sell out because I couldn't be any other way. I, I like, yeah, you know what I said? I said that I, this, this is true. I called an Asian midget at a show, Peter Chinklage. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus and you know, I, I, this, poor, this poor guy, this poor guy, Shane, I, I you know, I would defend Oh, unbelievable, right? 
Lorne Michaels, back in the 70s, was this cool rock star type guy. Right. He was the bastion, the poster boy for edgy comedy. And now he's firing this kid for making some joke. It's so ridiculous. It's it's, so it's, ridiculous. it's uh, To me, it's like, you know, the death of SNL was when Kate McKinnon dressed up like Hillary Clinton and sang Hallelujah, <laughs> irony-free, the fucking most embarrassing moment of all time. But, oh, when, but, but, but when, when, when Lorne Michaels, you're right, a guy who was... When he started, was like almost a hippie, and you remember the prior yeah. Chevy Chase scenes and all that of stuff. Course. And now he's firing Shane Gillis because of thoughts, because of jokes. Like that is, I'm I mean, so, you know, that's fucking that's wild. My first thought, my first thought was that prior Chevy Chase sketch, and I'm so glad you brought that up again. Chevy Chase says the N word in it, and right. that's the biggest laugh. That's the biggest laugh. And Richard Pryor, who you know, again, guys, I, 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 you're so right on the money with all it. Kate McKinnon is an insanely talented human being, but the show has become so political. He's just a shill for a certain group of people. It shouldn't be that way. Like, I, I, in the beginning of my stand-up act, the last couple of years, I goof on Trump, I goof on Hillary Clinton. I go, I'm going to get politics out of the way. I'm going to say a joke about both, and we're going to move on. Because I don't have to, I don't want to deal with the bullshit. If anybody's offended, leave now. I'll pay your bill. I'll pay your bill. Right. Get, get out. You know, because I, I, I don't want to deal with the moan. 25-year-old men look at the women they're with and see if it's okay to laugh on a joke nowadays. Right. I mean, stuff has fucking changed, bro. So I, I saw, mean, I, you know, yeah. No, I'm, yeah. So I saw your video you did or when you first got out, whatever, a couple of weeks ago, I was so happy. You look great. You sounded clear, clear eyed. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, you, I, you're feeling, I mean, you're feeling good. <laughs> I mean, listen, I feel better than I used to look, which ain't hard to do. Right. I, uh, I, you know, I still got this, this nose that's, uh, you know, every time I look in a mirror, it's it's the evidence of 30 years of absolute madness. I might keep it there for young kids to look at and go, don't, don't do this. I look like a, I look like a, a boxer. I never got in the ring once. Right. But um, yeah, I, I, I tell you, I I feel like I'm a kid. I, I'm, I get urine tested five times a week for probation. If I fail, I go to jail. So it's a matter of public record. I am clean and sober eight months, and I haven't been sober for eight months since I was eight months old. <laughs> uh, and, and I feel like uh, I'm 19 again. I feel amazing. Was was the nose actually from snorting glass? Like, I heard you say glass, and the first time I thought it was crystal meth, but was it actual glass that you snorted? <laughs> yeah, no, listen, man, I, I snorted meth before, but I, I, uh, I uh, actually, the only two drugs I ever shot, I don't think I ever publicly said this, the only two drugs I ever shot intravenously would be two times with both meth. And both hookers did it both times. These hookers could have been nurses. I don't know how they found a vein in my <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, um, I, I the, the nose is a combination of three things. 30 years of ripping and running, 30 years of drug use, snorting everything on the planet. The other one was I got punched in the face by a guy collecting for a bookie. I owed a bookie 62 Gs. And the guy collected uh, thought I was a billionaire, and he had a idea kidnapping me, and he knocked me out of my. I was going to my Range Rover about it. I collected for the book, um, and uh, for t- he knocked me out for like ten minutes. I woke up ten minutes later, like in a time machine in his van. Jesus. Uh, and uh, I somehow got out of that. But um, the the other thing is, I was with this broad in St. Louis in a beautiful hotel a, a couple of years back, and I um. I, I, she, she was cu- cutting up, uh, oxy, breaking up oxycodone pills, and she used a glass salt shaker from room service while I was in the shower, and she, she made it so fine, like when she could work for a, a sugar refinery or something, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I got called down, cut up these lines. There was glass 
and the line, the powder, and I snorted it. It sounded sound like a zipper. Oof. And, yeah. uh, my, my, so, so, I mean, like, I mean, I survived hell, bro. Hell. Do you think stand-up is bad for you at all? Like, the lifestyle <laughs> and all that? Yeah. That's a great question. Thank you. I mean, I struggle with that all the time. I, I, I said this in, in group therapy while I was in rehab a lot. Uh, I said, uh, listen, guys, my biggest struggle right now is going back to my life because I cannot – my my, lay- I've lost three fiancés because of drugs, and I say this all the time: drugs saved me a lot of money. The divorce would have been way more expensive than thirty years of blow. I'll tell you that. But um, I um, I I I, I have to. My last fiance, Adrian, was the love of my life. She was the love of my life. I love her dearly, and I lost her. Uh, she's married to some jerk off of a yacht right now, and I I I I, I, I lost her. I lost her because of drugs. And uh, she she said some real deep shit to me. And, and the one thing she said to me goes, Artie, you love your crazy life with comedy and, and this drug running. You love that crazy life more than any any woman you could ever love. And and I like to think she's wrong, but she, she, she's brilliant in that because she's right in some ways. And I said, how am I going to go back into my life that I love to stay clean? Because it lends itself to, to this, this crazy drug life too. And so far, so good. But I have always walked the edge, you know. Um, I have to do stand-up. You know, my buddy David Tell, one of my, uh, maybe my best friend in the world, he, uh, I told, I said to him once, I said, Dave, let's just get, let's get away for like two weeks, let's rent a house in California and just get a couple of broads or whatever, just just get away from life for a while. And he said, it has to be a town with stand-up, uh, a stand-up club, because I can't not do stand-up. And I, I'm not that crazy with it, because he's a real artist. But I need to do it. It's pathetic. I need. It's almost like I need that affection from people. So it's 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 an edge, but it's one I'm gonna have to take because I can't do anything else. How'd you? I, I, and I don't know this, but did you manage to keep your money all, all these years? Okay, I'll give you. The, I'll give you the numbers. I I was on welfare when I was 21 years old. Right. Okay. Well, I, I I I was by the time I was 28, I was a millionaire. At one point, uh, God bless you, Howard Stern. I was worth 14 million dollars. Okay. That, I, mean, I had a net worth of 14 mil, which means I made 28 million. That the government, the, the agents, they take straight up there. Right. So I had 14 million bucks. I now have about two. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so uh, I, 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 and that's all in real estate. I went to about 12 million dollars. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, listen, I'm doing. Yeah. Better than some, not as good as others. Oh, but that's all right. I'm, I'm alive. I'm alive. You know. Do you, uh, what, what's going on? We saw something on social media about you going back on Stern. Oh, right. Is there anything to that or no? Well, what it is is uh, what I said on stage was uh, me and Howard are being, basically what I, meant, what I meant was me and Howard are being civil to each other in the press, which wasn't the case for a while. And when I, when, when I was still doing dope and I, I left the show, I said a lot of angry things on social media and in the right. press just because I was bitter. But, um, the point I want to make about Howard Stern is I love him so much. He 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 uh, he he gave me the greatest job ever. And I, I, when he promoted his book, I was in a halfway house when his book came out in May. I was pumping gas at an Exxon station as part of the program. Right, I saw the videos. I'm reading, yeah, I'm reading. Yeah, I'm reading his book, and I'm reading like interviews I did with the with the president of the United States. And some <laughs> guy pulls up and goes, "Hey, Max, fill it up with regular." <laughs> uh, but but um. He was so nice to me in those interviews, and I detected some guilt that he had over what happened. He should feel no guilt. All Howard did was give me the best job a comedian's ever had and, and made me a multimillionaire and and also 
uh, tried to get me help. That's what the fans don't know. On the air, you know, it was a comedy show. It was a bit, you know? right, so yeah. Every, again, talk about political incorrect. That show, especially when I was on it, we did anything. Anything went. It was so much fun. But it, it, we had to get laughed. Off the air, Howard put me in rehab three separate times, maybe four. He, he, he told me, go get better. You can have your job. T- take a year. Go to rehab. You'll come back. you have your job. What else do you want a boss to say? So I'm nice to him right now in the press. He's nice to me. I'm going to call him when I get the guts up to do it and hopefully have dinner with him. But uh, we're being nice to each other is the point. You know, I'd I, love to go back on there one day. I'd uh, love oh, to. It'd be great. But you know, I get like, so my situation is different than yours. I was on EEI for a while. The show did great. Really successful. Number one. Yeah. And then I got yeah. some, I got in some trouble. I said some shit they didn't like. And it was, and I left. <laughs> and then, and then a lot of the guys that I was with on my old show were still there and I'm not on the air. And you get so irrationally angry at those people. Yeah. It's not their fault. But you have to put it's your anger. Cool. You got to put your anger somewhere. So I mean, I I get it. Like, in especially if you're yeah. fucked up on top of it. Like, right. you know, what are you going to do? Like, it's that's to me perfectly natural. Anger and cocaine is a bad combination. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's not good. Uh, it, it just fueled. It. Dr- drugs always fueled whatever. It always amplified whatever movement. Man, I get mad if I was happy. I get happy. Man, I get mad. And a lot of times it's over chicks, which I had realized. But I, in the beginning, I would try to listen to that show, and I would get like, – it's funny. About two years after I left the show, I was doing stand-up on a road. And a guy came to pick me up. I think it was in Seattle. And, again, the Sun Show was on in every city. It was number, he was, we were number one everywhere. So right. I'm in Seattle in a car, and the guy's got the show on. And he recognized me. He goes, oh, do you mind I have the show on? And I hear the show, and he goes, hey, do me a favor. Uh, why don't you be already on the show, but in the back of my car? So I comment <laughs> on what's going on. Like, Jesus you know, I, said, I said, that would be kind of fun. So I sat there, we parked, and everything that was going on, Richard Christie's <laughs> guinea pig had just died. And uh, I was goofing on Richard with no one there, just just me and him in the car. I was goofing on Richard like I would on the show, and, and I had the guy laugh, and that was a nice nice time. It's a weird thing, though, because, I mean, we've, sir, we've seen, and you and I talked about three year, three or four years ago, I mean, we have yeah. seen Stern adjust to a more politically correct time. Right. I mean, that's indisputable. I mean, he's friends with people he wouldn't have been friends with. So I always sure. wonder I always sure. wonder when I hear that, and he, he's hanging out with Orlando Bloom or something, I always wonder, gee, <laughs> What is Ar- what is Artie thinking? And again, I'm I'm glad you. I hope you and Stern get along, and, and, and that's great. He's great too. Yeah, but I, I always yeah. wonder what you think when you hear that. Well, listen, I, I got to say that's another great question. I um, I, I, I you got to respect <laughs> Howard for this man. I think one of the reasons we we got along, I think people enjoyed Howard and I together, was we sat two feet from each other for ten years. He's the most disciplined human being ever. I'm the most undisciplined. Human True. Being. It was like you know the odd couple. But he, Howard, on top of being a comedic genius, is also a marketing genius. He, he knows which way pop culture is swaying, bro. And he goes that way. And that's why he's also a trillionaire and successful. He can be funny in any context. My thing was like, I don't know how he gets away with it. It's like he was at Jennifer Anderson's wedding. The <laughs> shit we used to say about Jennifer Oh, Anderson, crazy. Oh, I know. my God. Oh, my God. Even me and Freddie Norris would, would lean back and go, whoa, this is crazy what he's saying. Like, like we would goof on everybody. And then he's at her wedding. You know, God bless him. He, he gets it off, man. He's a rock star. Uh, but uh, there's stuff that I would goof on him about that no one else would, which is I think is another reason the fans respected me on some level, even if it wasn't funny. But we had a very famous argument over him calling me pro. And well, stuff. a pelican. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. I called him a pelican. You did. You did. You did. When, 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 um, when he brought in a chick who had a fat fetish and I just wasn't in the mood, 
He's like, oh, this chick will bag you. She likes fat chicks. I go, what if I brought her in abroad with a, a pelican feather? You didn't like he that. Goes, he goes, uh, you're saying I look like a pelican. I go, yeah. And when I said that, dude, that's about six months before I left the show. I looked at his voice. And I, I looked at his face. I said, it's over. Right. I'm going to get fired. Were you, fucked up at, were you fucked up at that point or no? I was fucked up the last five years every day. I right, was, right. Yeah. That's, that, 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 I, so, I mean, I did the morning show, too, at 6 a.m., I cannot comprehend that you well, are. That, it's it's I'm, it's it's like not. It's, it's crazy. Amazing. It's incredible to me because you know. I mean, so I did six to ten for whatever six years, and you're fucked up all day anyway. Your body's just fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't adjust to it. But again, you know, it, it started with the crazy stand-up schedule. Yeah, my life became a chaos because of cocaine in the nineties. I went to Los Angeles County Jail for, but I. Uh, I tell you what, I uh, when heroin got reintroduced into my life because I used to take quaaludes and stuff. Uh, but when heroin came in, that changed the game. I was going, getting up to get on the plane, going down to go to sleep, get up to do uh, doing coke to just do the show and stuff like that. And Jimmy Norton, who was on Opie and Anthony at the time, we we both worked in the same building at Sirius. And Jimmy, you know, uh, is hilarious. He'd see me in the elevator. He goes, "How are you on heroin? We're getting here at the same time." <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, again, I I, I really truly love doing the show. That's the only way I can tell you. I mean, I I did so. I, I it, it was going downhill for a, a while, but I I kept going. I kept going. Go ahead, go ahead Mike. Um, why do you think you always call uh, Fred Norris a genius? Why do you think a guy like that never left just because of the money or is there a reason he never went anywhere and did his own thing? Uh, I think Fred is, is, is without question a genius. If you, if you listen, if, and again, it's, it's part of Howard being touched by the radio gods. It's like Jordan finds a Pippen, you know, it's, uh, he, he, um, I I mean, to me, I was just like a, a poor man's Horace Grant. (laughs) (laughs) Freddie was was the Scotty Pippen you know um, I I think Fred loves his work you know the the picture he paints behind Howard in that show with the sound effects is so amazing and I just think he's well paid for what he does I think even Howard would have been probably underpaid at the end of the day Um, if if I was Howard here's what I think of Fred if I was Howard and the numbers are correct on the money Howard has I would go to Freddie uh, the last day of the show and say, "Here's a check for a hundred million dollars. Thank you." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's how important he is. I, I think Fred likes his position in life and on that show, and uh, he's not a pretentious, self-important guy. I don't think he needs to see the Fred Nara show in life. He's not one of those cats. He, he he's happy with his position and he's great at it. You know. What uh, what is your like, so? I mean, how much of your stand-up now when you go on the road? How much of it is drawn on what's happened, say, in the last like? two years or something, say the prison experience. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I, uh, you know, my crazy, my work uh, together is almost like a business model. I I live a screwed up loser nut life. And then I comment on it in books and stand up. My, my stand up has always been crazy observations, but mostly stories about my life that I punch up with jokes right now. 80% of it, I'd say, you know, is a lot of the crazy stuff that's happened. I mean, I, I was locked up for eight months. Uh, and a half, three months and a halfway out, that was nuts. Two months in county jail, in the craziest county jail in the country, uh, and uh, and and two months, uh, three months in a rehab. I got I got to say, Turning Point Rehab in Patterson. The last three months before I came out, uh, they saved my life. Great place, great place. Do you feel now like I mean, you know, not to get not to get into cliche stuff, but do you feel calm? I mean, do you feel like you've turned some corner that you haven't turned in the last ten years? I have, uh, 
uh, for me, no, I haven't turned a corner like this. But again, you know what I learned to do is, as an addict, you can't put pressure on yourself. Right. I used to tell people, oh, guys, I'm going to be good the rest of my life. You can't do that. That one day at a time thing, like you just said, sounds like a cliche, but it really is how you stay good. It's like, I can't get, I'm not going to guarantee my fans or people in my family or my loved ones if I ever get another woman like Adrian in my life who I love so much or Dana or, you know, uh, all I'm going to guarantee them is, like, like right now, guys, I can guarantee you I'm probably not going to get high between now and the end of this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> good, that's great. Good. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Don't do one that. Day at, it's one day at a time. So, so if I can get through today, tomorrow starts, and it's another day, hopefully you put together a good life, you know. We had Dice on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I remember you got you and Dice had like a classic fight on Stern. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like that happens all the time. Like, what's your relationship with him? Like, is he all right? I love Dice. Yeah. Dice and me have become amazing friends. Amazing friends. Dice is so good to me. A, a great comic named Jimmy Florentine got married a few years ago, mm-hmm. and Dice was at the wedding, and I was in the middle of my craziness. I had just got arrested again, and Dice kind of goes, "Sit down, jerk off. I'm going to talk to you like Andrew, not like Dice." <laughs> And I said, uh, look, Andrew sounds a lot like Dice. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to give you life advice. And and uh, he, he sat down. And so, I mean, like, he, he was almost crying. The, the, the guy is uh, the guy's a good man. I like Dice a lot. He's a good friend. Yeah, it's sad to see another, com- another comedian I love, is, and I hate to see him leave the Stern world. And I know you've had you've been on with him a bunch, and it was my favorite when you guys would do the news is, is Gilbert. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, mean, he's the, I mean, maybe the funniest fucking guy who ever lived. Yeah, Gilbert is fearless. Is. Gilbert is, is the most fearless. I mean, Gilbert had major endorsement deals right. with, with major corporations, and he's saying the most offensive shit on the planet. He just doesn't <laughs> care. He's a rock star when it comes to that. You know, you know it's funny. I, I, I say to Gilbert, Gilbert is married to the sweetest, cutest blonde, Dara, you've ever seen. He has two of the most adorable oh, kids. Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw the uh, documentary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, me and Atel and some other guys will be over the documentary about Gilbert, and right. I, we can't believe... Like, and uh, here's what I say about Gilbert. If it was 1991 and you're sitting there watching the movie Aladdin, okay? And, <laughs> and, and, and someone, comes, someone comes from the future, 2019, and says, you see, you see the voices in, in this film? One of these guys is going to hang himself with a woman's garment, and it's not the parrot. <laughs> <laughs> One of these guys is going to kill themselves, and it's not the parrot. One of these guys is going to have a wonderful family life, True. and it's not the fucking parrot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the other guy. So Rob Williams, another genius who, who was so depressed. Comedy is a lot of darkness. But 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 uh, Gilbert, man, I mean, I mean Gilbert. Listen, I am a guy from North Jersey, an Italian kid who grew up with a blue collar dad from North Jersey. I was a longshoreman. I was a cab driver. I was a road comedian and the co-host of the Howard Stern Show. I was offended by shit Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, what, what did, he, did he lose that endorsement over the Affleck? It was a Japanese was he, tweet. Uh, oh, wasn't the Aristocrats thing? It was the yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to ruin the joke. I forget what the joke was, but he tweeted, uh, he tweeted something like after the tsunami in Asia. Oh, right. Like, yeah, so, so, something like uh, Chinese people throw their whole life going past them, and it was like, "There's a chair." There's a I don't know what it was. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it was something. But he also added an insane racial part of it too, uh, and got and got fired. Now, listen, the Twitter thing again. You talk about that. Oh. I have gotten. I, 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 I remember one time, I, I did Twitter. I, I would get my hand slapped, and for a comedian, this is where I live for. I love being the outlaw. But, like, I've done stuff on Twitter. One time I, I printed that. I was dating this Jewish girl. She had a 100-year-old um, 
uh, 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 great uncle. He, had, he was a Holocaust survivor. He was also like the most requested plumber in the history of New Jersey. So I tweeted out that he was the only man ever to make both Schindler's and Angie's list. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. I mean, I mean but, here's, but here's the thing, though, right? Like, I mean, who's who's actually offended by that? Like, I know people claim to be, but I mean, who's really offended by that? Exactly. Well, we'll go back to the Eddie Murphy thing. You guys right. just laugh. I, I do that joke in my act. I, the, the, the show, again, you know what makes me uh, really, like, uh, th- there's a show now called Mixed-ish, based on Blackish, oh, where yeah. it's like, a right. mix, you know, and again, it might be good, but I can't. No so, chance, uh, no I, chance. Yeah. I, 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 I tweeted out, uh, based on the success of Mixed-ish, I'm going to do a show uh, about um, uh, biracial kids who were brain dead called Mixed Vegetables. people hear that and they go you know again it's like they go uh well uh my my son is brain dead i'm like well don't tell him about the joke (laughs) 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 but i would think for you like i know uh mike had just asked you about is it dangerous to get back in the stand-up but i gotta think like if you're with somebody and you're on the road and you're having dinner and you're breaking balls that must be in some ways too like insanely therapeutic at the same, you yeah. know, I mean, I, I don't know. Just have somebody who understands like, cause you know, I mean, no matter what your job is and your job is so different. If you're talking to somebody who, you know, you're in some meeting, who the fuck's going to understand what you're talking about? Exactly. Exactly. Well, again, it's therapeutic just to talk to guys like you were in the media with sense of the humor, you know, right. you're smart, about, you know, you're smart and you got a sense of humor. That's all it is, is a sense of humor. That's it. That's all it is. It, it, it's just, if someone is a comedian, I don't, um, comics, now Jerry Seinfeld said this too, uh, about, about comedians. Uh, you know, but again, we all take the mainstream successes. should always be on the outside looking in. You should always be commenting on something. Right. Like Howard Stern made a lot of money from being an outsider. He, he was never at Jennifer Anderson's wedding. He was always goofing on it. Right. You know, a, com- a, a comedian should never be at the Oscars making some sentimental speech. We should be goofing on it. That's what a comedian is. Now, I am unpopular enough to where I'll always have that. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that position like, but I'm fine with it. I love being a bit of an outlaw, and, you know, in, in, in a real way, too, clearly, because I've been to jail. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a comic should always be comic. And when you're out to dinner with other comics or talking to guys like you, uh, you know, where the really is. Look, the comedy cellar where I perform a lot, that even the table where the comics hang out before we go on stage, we talked, we, we, we showed it and crashed it a little bit. This is the HBO show. Yeah, right, right. Right. yeah, yeah. So the comics table at the comedy cellar used to be no holds barred. It just, it, it just was any, the black comics, the white comics, the Irish guys, Italian, it, whatever, Hispanic, we all hung out together and it was just a free fest of, of goofing on each other. Even that table is politically correct. The, 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 I mean, I mean, when, when the older guys go there and there's a lot of insanely talented younger comedians, but, the, 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 it's like they 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 roll their eyes over stuff. It's like guys, you gotta you gotta calm down. You gotta not be so sensitive. You're <sighs> fucking comedian, right? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, uh, look, look at Don Rickles. I mean, you know, it's it, it, he was our hero. But Don Rickles, if you just seen his shit on paper, people would be disgusted with. What's crazy about Rickles is he had no 
act. He had no, no, no he, he would go on there and he would just go on and find, now he had some lines he would always use, but he had, you know, 10 or 12 people in the audience. He would shit on like, if you watch them on Letterman or Leno yeah. or Carson, a lot of his stuff would miss, but he'd make fun of himself. Like it wasn't, you know, he didn't all attitude, right? All attitude. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's a truly funny person. Like Rickles didn't really have set up punchline. He had attitude, right? you know, uh, and uh, that's what a real funny person is. Someone who had a roast doesn't need jokes. He's just going to fucking rail on you. Yeah, like you so know? much of what, so much of what Eddie Murphy did was that attitude. Like, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. it was funny, but like, you know, we played some of his sound the other day to so show how times have changed because I think I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's, you know, he's hosting SNL again at the end of yeah, December. Yeah, I can't wait. I well, can't wait. well, get ready because I'm waiting for that backlash for his old anti-gay, all that Listen. act. And I, I'm telling Listen. you, I, there's going to be this fucking left, you know, crazy liberal backlash on this. And they're going to try and get him not host that. That's my prediction. Listen, and I hope he has the, the decency to tell them all to go fuck themselves. <laughs> right. And I hope Warren does too. Well, that's the thing. How is Warren Michaels? Warren, was he Warren just go, again, Warren is brilliant. He's an amazing marketer. Uh, he's going to fire this kid for saying chink, and then Eddie Murphy, because he's going to make – Eddie Murphy's going to be the biggest ratings ever on that show. He's going to have him on. Eddie Murphy didn't say the word faggot. He had a bit called it. Right, it right. Two, two of them. First, right. On his first uh, album, Comedian, the first – it's still framed at the comic strip in New York City. It's a bit called faggot. It, it says number one, and, it's, you know, and Eddie – Eddie Murphy is so talented that he's one of those guys who could tell you he's going to be funny. He goes, I'm about to be funny, then I'm going to stop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 and he's going to make you laugh, and then he's like, okay, that's enough. I gave you enough. Um, and he's one of the biggest stars of all time. He's got a trillion dollars. I hope, I hope he, you know what I mean? I, look, look, he's got kids, and these people, man, this liberal extreme left, and there's assholes on both oh, sides. Obviously, of course. On both sides. Yeah, yeah. But, but but they're they're evil motherfuckers, man. I mean, and Eddie Murphy's got kids. He might he might be able to take it himself. I'm sure he's tough enough to take it himself. The criticism, but you know, you got a family and shit. They get downright threatening about stuff, um, like the mafia. It's crazy. I I hope uh, he stands his ground because you're 100 percent right. He was supposed to um. Okay, here's Hollywood. Here's the hypocrisy of, of Hollywood. About five years ago, he was going to host uh, uh, the Oscars, Eddie Murphy. And I thought exactly what you just said. Brett Ratner was going to produce it. And they fired Oh, Brett that's Ratner. the Ratner thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brett Ratner literally said uh, a line that I had in Dirty Work. In, not in Dirty Work. In Beer League, I said practices for fans. And he said rehearsal is for fans. In, like, Australia. It, it rolled out of his mouth like, like just like a goofy thing. A heterosexual man says, with no hatred at all. They fired him. Eddie Murphy, in a very wise move, said, I quit. I'm not doing it. So he crystallized it because he saw what they did to Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner gets fired from hosting the Oscars for, for just off, out of the side of his mouth, a tongue-in-cheek comment he made in Australia doing press. Roman Polanski raped a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> gave her quaaludes in a jacuzzi at Jack Nicholson's house. And by the way, raped, her, raped, raped her, in the, raped her in about the most brutal way possible, too. Raped her. Right. Goes to France. France doesn't send her back. Since then, he's won an Oscar. <laughs> well, not only did he won the Oscar for for, for directing, you know, he got a standing ovation. The piano, the piano. Right, yeah, yeah. He got a standing he ovation. Go to the awards. He couldn't right. go to the awards. He's getting arrested. Get arrested. Right. Yeah. For rape. <laughs> so, 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 so what is the message they're giving? What, what, what are, you know, I forget the comic's name, but I, I haven't seen him since. Back in the, when I was struggling as a comic in the early 90s, I did 
used to work at the comic book all the time. This sums up political correctness perfectly. I forget the guy's name. I wish I could uh, give him a comment on the joke, but he did a joke about, uh, oh, okay, uh, liberals have just come out, uh, or whatever, but I don't know if liberals, but people were mad that the makeup company Revlon was testing makeup on rats. Okay. Yeah, right, he said, right, right. People are mad at Revlon for putting makeup on rats. They're not mad at Decon. The, there was a company called Decon that was rat exterminated. He goes, they're not mad at Decon for actually killing rats. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, so what's the politically correct message? You can kill a rat. You just can't doll it up a little. <laughs> I, I have a question. I mean, that's, that's the hypocrisy of it. That's the hypocrisy. Who is the biggest celebrity asshole you've ever dealt with, whether it's at Stern or on your own or whatever. Has there been somebody you're just like, this guy is or girl is just a fucking asshole. Three words, Brian Austin Green. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Uh, when I was, I guess, on I, 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 I guess he's, I guess he's a celebrity. All right. I'll, I'll allow yeah, well, he was, he was, I was just about to say, is that qualified? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll allow it. Listen, yeah. he ever, listen, he was fucking Megan Fox. That's true. Years, that's, so true. That's, went, that's true. That's went, true. That's true. He was, but um, yeah. So he was a hip hop star after Melrose Place. So back in the right. mid '90s, when it was a big deal, he hosted Saturday Night Live, and we did a sketch. Uh, no, I mean he hosted Mad TV when I was right. there. Okay, he hosted Mad TV. So, so uh, we did a sketch. I was kind of goofing on him through his face, but he didn't really realize that it. it was about white rappers. Right, he's so a he dumb. Goes by, yeah. the name, goes by the name Bag Brian Austin Green, and that's his rap name. Oh, Bag. Yeah. And I actually tweeted something to where I said his uh, his um. <laughs> He's got a brother who's also a rapper with a less uh, cool nickname. Oh, yes, Frank, <laughs> yes, Frank I, yes I, I saw that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 um he um Jesus. he he, uh, he he kept screwing up the sketch. He couldn't remember the line, and he he, he turned into maybe the biggest asshole ever. Like he was blaming other people in the sketch for it, and uh, just a prick. Um, Tom Cruise was a bit of an asshole to me uh, on uh, the set of Jerry Maguire. Oh, that's right. You got um, cut from Jerry Maguire, right? I got cut out of the movie because uh, I, you know, he was yelling at me in front of the crew. And it was my first, uh, it was before uh, Dirty Work, actually. But I didn't have a big part. And that guy, see, that's how I knew with Dirty Work, you could get cut out. And, and But, you know, listen, Tom Cruise, on my jersey, I wasn't that far removed from being like a longshoreman in Jersey. Right. And Tom Cruise is four foot eleven. I wanted to beat the shit out. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you supposed to play? Are you supposed to be like one of the agents or? I played a guy, if you remember the movie, uh, yeah. Kelly Preston or him get into a big fight at the NFL draft. Yeah, at the thing, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and she punches him in the face. And I played an annoying guy. Oh, right, yeah, you, yes. Yeah, I remember you talking about this. Yeah. yeah, I come up and I say I had like two paragraphs of shit, and um, and he gives me like a fuck off look, and I leave. Uh, and uh, he yelled at me. And Cameron Crowe, the director, was a great guy. Shows you how my life goes. He goes, just do it the way he wants you to do it. And I adjusted and I did it. But the whole crew was like, you know, realized what Tom Cruise is yelling at this idiot. I get arrested in the meantime. I told everybody in my life I'm going to be in Jerry Maguire. I get arrested. I go to Los Angeles County Jail. At 3 o'clock in the morning, the, the, the guards do me a favor. They let me check my answering machine. I'm in L.A. County Jail. I would have booked me in Staten Island 30 grand for the first slice in all these So I was scared. I, wanted, I had to check my answering machine. They so check my answering machine. I'm in a jumpsuit in L.A. County Jail. I'm probably going to get fired from Man TV. My life is over. But I got Jerry Maguire coming out two weeks later. First voicemail that I checked while I got bugs and crypts waiting in line to check the phone, too. In a jumpsuit in jail. First voicemail is from Cameron Crowe going, I got cut out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I said, this is a bad week. But, uh, it's, it's a microcosm of my life. 
Wasn't Lauren Michaels an asshole to you too? Speaking of him, didn't he bring you in just to tell you you didn't get SNL or something like that? I uh, I had uh, the Lauren Michaels story was crazy. When I, I was shoot, I had done Mad TV for a couple of years. I did Dirty Work, and I was shooting a movie with David Spade. And uh, while I'm shooting the movie with Spade in like Manhattan Beach, California, I got a call from urgent call from my agent. Go, Lauren Michaels wants to meet you. He's in L.A. at his office in Paramount. I go. He goes, ask Spade if you can leave the movie early because he's probably going to offer you SNL. And at the time, I was like, well, do we even want to do that? It's going to be a pay cut. I was making a lot of money. And I had done two years on Mad TV. It was weird he wanted to meet me, but it's Lauren Mike. So you give him the respect. I got there. I, 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 Spade gave me some time off. I left the movie set early. I was wearing a wig that ripped it off my head. And I get, I get to Paramount on time. Lauren makes me wait for an hour, an hour, just to get me in the room to say, uh, you know, he goes to me, he goes, I saw your real tape. I had a real tape with all the sketches I did a man. He goes, he goes, you're quite good. How come we didn't see you for Saturday Night Live? I'm like, I don't fucking know. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you tell me. I don't know. I got offered a TV show and I took it. What do you want me to tell you? So um, he goes, it's your dream to do SNL. He said that. And it's just me and him in a big office. Like, and uh, I've never been good at kissing ass. My agent to this day said to me, Art, all you had to do was like kiss his feet. He would have given you the part. I can't do that. I, I don't have an enemy. So I said to him, I said, well, anybody my age, Lauren, would probably say they'd want to hear Don Pardo say their name. I was 30 years old. About and he goes, well, that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the fucking point? Was he just, was he just fucking with you? I told Spade and I told Norm McDonald the story. He goes, and Norm goes, ah, he was just fucking with you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I, I, he goes, but dude, he goes, he goes, you should be, feel a lot of respect. That Lauren Michaels took time out of his day. The fuck were you? I mean, he took time out of his day. You know? That was bizarre. <laughs> Very bizarre. And obviously, you work with Norm a couple of times. He's, I mean, fucking genius. Total, I mean, just the greatest. The greatest. Yeah. Norm McDonald was one of the funniest human beings ever. I was with Norm every day for four years, and we were both degenerate gamblers. I opened for him on the road. We shot a movie together. I did a sitcom with him for two years. I never had more fun in my life. Uh, you know, uh, we used to do these things called a lightning bet that my bookie took. And, um, okay, I'll try to explain a lightning bet to you because it's like the heroin of gambling. Um, say you got an under over at a basketball game, mm-hmm. and it's 180 points, right? Right. Here's what a lightning bet is. If you lightning bet, and we used to bet $1,000 a point. If you lightning bet $1,000 a point, once you hit 180, every point in a basketball game that goes over 180, you win $1,000. So every basket, you win two grand. Right. If you hit the 180. So every basket's two grand. Every three pointers, three grand. So if you hit the number, you're winning money every five seconds on a level of like, so you're shaking. Okay. <laughs> if you go under, you lose $1,100 for every point because you lose the big. So, Jesus. So, so it's 1100 every. Okay, so I'm going to give you what happened. I was on the road with Norm, 1998 in June. And. We lightning bet the over a thousand a point in the lowest scoring NBA Finals game of all time. That Jazz Bulls game, yeah, yeah. The Bulls, right. Utah Jazz. Right, that's the right. Bulls, the Jazz looked. Carl Malone and John Stockton looked like two Jewish guys. <laughs> the, 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 the Bulls just put the clamps on them. That's they scored right. like in forty-five points. That's right. Norm and I. Now, before I go on stage to do stand-up, I'm, I, I owe Bookie eighty grand. Okay. <laughs> I'm on stage in like St. Louis going, I, I couldn't even remember I act. I'm bombing because I, I, I owe a guy. You're bombing because of, uh, because of Greg Ostertag's inability <laughs> to hit a jump hook. 
Exactly. <laughs> it's almost hard to believe, Artie, you went from fourteen million to two million with this with this with this strategy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to say I used to call Greg Osterfax. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed to but, say that. Uh, yeah, let me tell you, uh, but, but it was so much fun. Again, the kind of guy, the kind of funny that um, Norm MacDonald is, the movie Dirty Work I did with him, right? The, 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 the hometown critic, my hometown paper said about my performance in Dirty Work, Artie Lang has all the charm of a date rapist. <laughs> <laughs> okay? That's what he said. So here's how Norm cheered me up. He goes, hey, man, that's fucking great. A date rapist has to have way more charm than a regular rapist. <laughs> That's true. He gets a He's date. Right. That's a yeah. good point. <laughs> yeah, That's I, like I, hanging out. Can I, I, I'm going to defend. Uh, we started here. We can finish it because I'm sure you got shit to do. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I fucking love Dirty Work. I think it's funny as hell. Yeah. I mean, I know it's I know it's kind of whatever. But, I mean, fucking Jack Warden's in it, too, which is wild. Jack Warden plays my dad. That's like Jack that. Warden. You know, I mean, 12 like, Angry Men, right all, the, all the President's Men, the verdict. I mean. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. You work with Dustin Hoffman and me. Yeah, Robert Redford uh, and you. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but no, uh, thank you for saying that because I'm, I, 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 I have a big part, a uh, co-leader, a lead in two movies, Beer League and Dirty Work, and they were both uh, called by a, a bunch of websites, cult uh, classics. Right oh, that's now. true. I'd agree. Yeah. yeah. People love Dirty Work. People love Dirty Work, and, I, and I'm proud to be in it. Lost and, Lost and Found is the one, the girl from Braveheart's in that, right? Let me tell you something. <laughs> Spade is a gangster, man. He put, he put Sophie Marceau in it. I, I, I used to get makeup next to Sophie Marceau in that movie. Yeah. We looked like we weren't in the same species. <laughs> <laughs> She's the most beautiful chick I ever met in my life. And, and, I, and when I got to know Spade pretty well and became friendly with Spade, he's another hilarious. Spade is just right. so fucking funny. But, um, uh, in the movie, Spade plays a guy. He's not even a rich, famous comedian. He's a guy who works at a restaurant. He's broke. Right. And he fucks Sophie Marceau at the end of the movie. I'm like, Spade, this is not a comedy. It's science fiction. <laughs> uh, but uh, listen, I got, I got to work with some of the funniest people ever. I'm very grateful for it. Very grateful. Well, we're glad that you're doing well, and, and we hope to talk to you soon. And we're gonna we'll promote your. Uh, I know you're around here coming up soon. You're, do we have the dates from Steve? Or yeah, not? October 18th and 19th, he's going to be at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Excellent. And Absolute then he's coming to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, November 14th and 15th. Oh, I'm going to that. To I'm the go- Comedy Connection. Uh, all right, I'm going to one of those shows. For you can sure. check out all his times websites artyquitter.com. Comedy Connection's awesome. Yeah, yeah, please. Please come by, guys, as my guest. Let's hang out. I, you guys are very nice to me. I appreciate it. Oh, we love you. We love you. You're the greatest. And when, we'll, uh... when's your podcast starting up, Artie? I saw you tweeting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a podcast called Artie Lang's Halfway House. It's going to start in about four weeks. Early November. Early November. Good. Excellent. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, so hopefully we'll get you on soon again, and we'll talk to you, and we'll see you in Providence. Awesome. Thanks so much, Artie. Thanks, Artie. Thank you. Man. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Bye. Like I said before, just a really entertaining interview by Gilbert there. And also, unfortunately, for some reason, I remember it differently, but I thought Blind Mike also couldn't get a word in ed- edgewise with this one. And But Kirk, Kirk kind of let him slip in a couple times, but that was a misremember of history on my part, uh, for sure. And I I merely kind of wish all, the theme of all three of these uh, conver- uh, conversations was Mike trying to get a word in, but... And unlike the... Dice Clay, I don't think Hardy's going to be making a second appearance anytime soon. Maybe on the phone, but uh, he seems to be kind of, well, actually what they were, Kirk and Mike were talking about on the show last week, uh, 
have kind of he's kind of gone away. No more podcasts and stuff like that. And as far as his next go, uh, next interview, our last interview goes, definitely not coming back in studio. Gilbert Gottfried, unfortunately, dead. Kirk's interview with Gilbert's definitely my favorite of the three. And he's Bob. Maybe that's because he's maybe the person I knew the most out of all of them, and he was definitely just as wacky as I imagined him. Like, there's multiple different parts of this conversation interview that he just breaks out in song for a solid two minutes, and it just it's it gets funnier and funnier as the time goes on. And this interview actually took place on July 16th, 2021. So we had multiple years in between having the comedians on. And to Dave's credit, he gets a lot of shit for not booking guests. This is a Dave Cullinane guest booking. So credit to him where it is due. So enjoy this, the Gilbert Gottfried interview on KMS. I'm not going to throw anything on at the end of this. This is getting, after this interview is the end of the episode, so like, subscribe, review this podcast on whatever you're listening at. Follow me on Shane underscore Mudget, and let me know next week what you want me to do for an episode. I'm thinking maybe something with like old ancillary characters, like a Kelleher, DC, MHB sort of thing, but let me know. And now here's Gilbert Gottfried with Kirk. This has long been one of my favorite comedians. Uh, Mike knows this as well. Uh, Sunday, July 18th, he'll be at the Comedy Connection in uh, Providence at 7.30 p.m. Uh, you know, one of the greatest comedians ever. One of the greatest talk show hosts, guests ever. Uh, I love his podcast, by the way. Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert, how you doing? Hello? Yes, Gilbert, how are you? Oh, yeah, yes. Yes. Hi. There he is. Yeah. Hi. Yes. How yes. are you? How are I'm, you? I, I'm one of the best ever. That I think it sounds like you're preparing my obituary. Well, I, 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 well, I mean, I mean, death, death is not far, is it at this point or no? Yes, yes. He, he was one of the best. So I always remember him fondly. He, he was found dead and hanging in his New York apartment. Police well, say it's natural causes. Well, well, I was going to start with your your podcast, which I do love, and it's it's you get every Monday. And with my show, it's funny. So we just taped my normal show for Barstool, and then we're doing this for later in the week. And I was screaming at my producer because he was saying about these stars that have these stars on, and I, I was saying to him, I'd rather interview the guy who runs a sandwich shop than certain stars. And that's what I love about your podcast. Like if if I said to you, you can have Gabe Gabe Kaplan on, or you can have on you know Jennifer Aniston, you would choose Gabe Kaplan ten times out of ten. Uh, yes, yes, and I'd I'd also uh, fuck Cape Kaplan. <laughs> Is that true? That, that's the uh, that's the part where sometimes I think I'm going a little overboard. <laughs> Wait a minute, you if you uh, are you, are you saying my, you, uh, you references you, here? You've had you've had sex with Cape Kaplan? Is that are you, are you are you telling me this? Uh yeah, yeah, he's um. Wow. I said about that, uh, that hair? Uh, 70s mustache <laughs> that uh, really got to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a it is a, a podcast that's just an affinity for that sort of 60s, 70s sort of TV yeah, and movie sometimes world. Sometimes even before. True, right, had, right. I was going to say, I think. show, mm-hmm. I, I had uh, a child actress janet ann gallo uh-huh. 
who who worked with Lon Chaney and Bela Lugosi yeah. in uh, in Ghost of Frankenstein. Right. And that was the 40s. And then we had Donnie Dunnigan, who worked with Karloff and Lugosi and Basil Rathbone in Son of Frankenstein in the 30s. <laughs> what 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 is that like who's the is, is it is it frank who does that do you have a producer that finds these people because it's not like these are people who are are you know are 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 readily available i wouldn't think uh yeah yeah you you, you don't wait outside the tonight show <laughs> right, <laughs> right 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 <laughs> i wouldn't think i thought uh, basically Gilbert- uh, basically we call every emergency ward <laughs> and ask, uh, is there one section where people who've just had a stroke are? Uh, you'd like to pick up our next guest. How many guests have you had? So we had uh, J- uh, John McAfee. Was that his name? Mike? Yeah. Who just died. That's our. That's the first guest in my show's history who's died. I'm going to guess you've had, what, 10 or 15? They were dead Gavin, when he had them on. Gavin, Mc- <laughs> Gavin, Mc- <laughs> Gavin McLeod just died, right? Who? Gavin McLeod. You had him on, didn't you? From the Love Boat and uh Oh yes. Yeah, we Mary had Tyler Gavin Moore. Gavin McLeod. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. uh a, a few of the people, a bunch of them have died. In fact, the bad thing is there are these ones that we call up and ask them to do the show, and then they say yes, and <laughs> like a day later they're dead. That's never good. That's not yeah, good. yeah. That's not, that's not good. Go ahead, Mike. And, Gilbert, and uh, I always go. Well, does that mean they're not doing the show? <laughs> <laughs> he sold out though, because they replayed his uh, Dick Van Dyke episode last week for Fourth of July, and I feel like that was him trying to appeal to the kids. You know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, yes, that's true. Yes, it's uh, yeah. You gotta be with like the hip hop audience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean these yeah. these these teenage <laughs> girls these days. I mean they see Dick Van. I uh, forget it. I mean it's swoon. It's, oh, they can't help it. They can't help it. What um. So are you are you back in doing stand up in, in live shows yet, or is this is, is it one in Providence the first one, or did you? Yeah, how did, yeah. yeah. I I've been going back. I've done about two or three. I, I did like Caroline's New York. And, sure. Uh, they afterwards they told me uh, that I did really well, and uh, I I was up there. I didn't know. I was up there going, "What well, this this is." actually what i do for a living <laughs> and it's like uh i'm i'm there like thinking well do i have any other jokes uh, <laughs> that's what was going through my head but everybody said i did great so i'll have to take their word for it do you pay are you one of these comedians that like i i have noticed that is jerry seinfeld uh who i know you uh can do an impression of as jerry seinfeld has gotten older he seemed to get a little more bitter about comedy in general almost like he takes it almost too seriously. Like he's lecturing. As you get older, do you find yourself liking younger comedians or not caring or paying attention? Uh, yeah. Well, I know Seinfeld uh, likes uh, to lecture. It's like, huh? oh, I don't like the way comedy is going on. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> oh, I am very angry. So please sit down. And listen to my lecture, <laughs> because I'm one of the old men of comedy. 
It's Milton Berle and it's me. <laughs> That's why he's almost become like Jerry Lewis because, you know, you just get older and cranky and cunty and it's like, oh, oh, you're a fucking it's, comedian. It's, it's a scary thing because uh, sometimes I find myself thinking that way and, and I go, oh, God, that this is exactly what would get me about other people who were like, uh, you're in the business a certain amount of time and then you become, oh, what I'm saying people are listening to right. in interviews. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's weird. I try, I try not to listen to myself. When you were younger, were there older comedians that acted that way? Because, I mean, obviously your act was different. Your voice was different. Your presentation, were there older comedians who you ran into at the beginning that were sort of assholes or no? There, there were, but none that I could even mention because they were like these comics that were around clubs and resorts and okay, yeah, and never quite made it to even the bottom level, right, of uh, television comedy. Was there a great comedian that that? It helped you out at the beginning or was a mentor in any way or no no everyone asked me that i wish i did have a mentor <laughs> right. but i never did did you ever break on stage because you're pretty much just all jokes i've never seen you get serious or, or topical or anything but have you broken it all oh on yeah stage? he was like he was like jerry lewis he would sing that big song at the end like jerry would sing at the end of the uh, telethon right what was <laughs> Like, why would, why would Jerry, even Rickles sometimes would do stuff like that. What was the, was that just the way comedy was at that, at that time? Yeah. It, it's like, well, Don Rickles, he used to have a song in his act. Right. That's what I mean. Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. I'm a nice guy. Right. Don't you forget it. I'm a nice <laughs> right, guy. Right. Oh, I'm glad I've never seen that. It's Good weird. God. It's weird. <laughs> Jesus. You know, I, I, so when I first became a fan of yours uh, was listening to Stern when I was younger in the nineties in the two thousands. You were I, to me, the greatest Stern guest of all time, not even argument of all time. And then it just stopped. And we spent a lot of time on this show talking about how that show has changed. When did they just stop contacting you completely? Uh, 
pretty much. It just, um, uh, it's, uh, but I find that in the business or in, in life, you could say, uh, that nothing's uh, permanent. It's like, uh, I always feel like in the business, you can't ever uh, just throw your feet up on the chair and uh, kick your shoes off. It's like, because I've been on a bunch of shows where I'd be there all the time, and then one day it just stops. Well, Letterman, right? Another example. I mean, you could, uh, yeah, you... Letterman, and uh, I used to do Arsenio all the time. Right. And then one day, stopped. Is the lack and... of explanation odd, or does it not even face? Well, it just feels different only for, to me, Gilbert, in that like you would do Arsenio for six minutes, or you do Letterman. I mean, Howard, you would do for an hour, an hour and a half, a lot. Like, you know, radio is just different, and then it just stopped. And as a listener, it seemed weird. Uh, yeah, I I don't, I can't explain any of it, and anything, the shows I've done and stopped doing. It's just, uh, you go along with it, and uh, you follow the teachings of George Harrison, uh, who said, Sunrise doesn't last all morning. A cloudburst doesn't last all day. <laughs> do you do you feel like you were ultimately now history looks back on it robbed for not being supported uh, best supporting actor for Ford Fairlane when you when you look at it thirty years yes. I mean it's I, to me if you want to talk about the great supporting performances you talk about. James Conn and the Godfather. You talk about Gene Hackman and Unforgiven, Connery and the Untouchables, and to me, Godfrey in, in uh, Fort Fairlane. Yes, that and even even a worse crime that I wasn't nominated for uh, Problem Child 2. Yeah, you were good in that. <laughs> yeah, you were yeah, hot to trot uh, too, I thought. That was just wrong. <laughs> did you, did you, uh, how was Dice to work with? Uh, he was okay. Um, he was, you know what? Hey, you were working together in the chicken, 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 Hey, hey, what? You working on the movie? What? Are you a homo? Hey, last night I was in bed with this broad. She starts going, does he ever break that? Or was he ever like Andrew Silverstein? Or is he that 100% of the time? Uh, yes, he breaks it and then he speaks in a Yiddish accent. <laughs> <laughs> and and he has a long beard and pace. <laughs> wow, he, wow, he, he goes all in. It's transformation. Jesus. He really goes all in. Did you like working with Eddie Murphy? Uh, you worked with him, you know, quite a bit. Uh, yeah, that that was fun because that scene in Beverly Hills Cop 2, we just improvised. Because you knew him from oh. SNL, right? Yeah, we yeah. just, we just, uh, each time we did it, we did it totally differently. And that was a lot of fun to do. Did you, you know, so are you one of these guys? Obviously, you know, you've, I've, you know, you've gotten in trouble. You've been, you know, canceled, whatever. We know all the stories. Are you at the point of your career where you just don't give a fuck? Whatever, whatever happens, happens. You have no control over it? Uh, yeah, I'm at that point. I figure, uh, uh, go ahead, get offended. I have no more jobs to lose. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> were, you, were you ever, pan like, whether it was, you know, the tsunami thing or the thing uh, before you told the aristocrats show up the Empire State Building, do you ever, when you're done with it, do you ever say, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that? Or you just, I mean, do you say, hey, I'm a, I'm a comedian. This is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel like, like with the tsunami or the 
uh, <clears throat> September 11th thing. I, I feel like to me when I get in trouble for stuff like that, I feel like it's like you get up every morning and eat a bowl of cornflakes and then one day you eat a bowl of cornflakes and the whole world blows up. Right, 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 right. That's exactly right. Like, it's like we just noticed this and right. we're shocked. Right. Yeah, well, that's why I want to know, because why, how were you able to get like Disney? You did Disney and Hollywood Squares and all this like mainstream stuff. But you've always been the filthiest fucking comedian. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 funny. I'm uh, I'm uh, too uh, I'm too bad taste for Affleck, uh, but clean enough for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like my career walks the tightrope in between early morning children's programming and hardcore porn. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that. So you've done hardcore porn. I haven't seen that. Uh, yes, yes. What, what, what is your what is your specialty out of curiosity? I I I remember mm -hmm. uh, one time I used to work the uh, improv in New York and Times Square, and they one time uh, borrowed the place. They used the place to shoot a, a scene in a porn film, mm -hmm. and and they were in the kitchen uh, mixing this concoction with uh, mayonnaise and, <laughs> uh, and I I think I thought oh okay I think I've got this what scene this is gonna be <laughs> yeah it was uh, yeah and, and then I never ordered mayonnaise at the club <laughs> ever again do you have a will you be one of these guys who's if you're around, God willing, you'll be telling jokes when you're 85 going around, or do you, do you have some end date in mind? Uh, no, I, I I think there's a saying, you don't leave the business, the business leaves you. And uh, I think, you know, that's what happens. Uh, one day you get up and the entire business goes, oh, no, we're not interested. Right, right, right. So how much you how much are you doing this summer? A lot of traveling or uh, or not? Uh, yeah, I'm getting back to traveling. Um, I I enjoyed the rest. I yeah. enjoyed the pandemic. You did enjoy the pandemic. <laughs> yes. Yes. I oh, wish it would happen more often. Did you, did you enjoy? Uh, did you enjoy the pandemic for a break purpose, or are you are you a, uh, are you a fan of COVID? Are you a COVID guy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you are. Uh, yeah, I wear a large button that says "I'm a COVID." <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. So you gave <laughs> with a cartoon thumbs up. <laughs> so you so, so you willed yourself to so you, so you gave yourself COVID. Oh, that's interesting. That's a that's an interesting move. Did you ever run out of hotel soaps or uh, shampoos at any point? And and oh yes yes <laughs> there I, you go I I've been running low on them I running low means I only have a thousand <laughs> and um and now they do it in hotels where it's nailed into the I wall. know it I know it I know it it's probably Actually, because of your documentary I, th honestly. I think your documentary changed the entire hotel business forever. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, it's a it's a personal fuck you to me. <laughs> right, right. At the hotels, and and I've been busy also doing a cameo, uh, where I do uh, video shout outs to people, and uh, uh, that's uh, cameo dot com slash Gilbert Gottfried. Cameo dot com slash Gilbert Gottfried. Okay, and then you'll do you'll I, I'm guessing you'll do whatever they want you to do. 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. Sex acts? Everything's <laughs> a play? I hit that point in my career. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, you just put a gun in my hand say, oh, I'd like you to shoot someone for me. Well, all right, they pay? Okay. <laughs> who's the uh, who's the guest on, on uh, your podcast that you guys have tried to get the most and haven't been able to hit on yet? Oh, so many. Um, well, Mel Brooks. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Uh, yeah. Uh, haven't gotten William Shatner yet. Okay. Uh, might, there, there's, there's a bunch. You might want to hustle on those guys. Just a, just a tip. <laughs> Another time. <laughs> I mean, I would, I wouldn't play the long game on that one. <laughs> what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite episode? You know, you know, it was a, you know, it was a, 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 so I listened to him all the time. You know, it was actually a good guest was uh Tim Matheson. I like that one. I like the guys who were sort of young stars and then it's weird. Just the stories they can tell. From like the 40s and 50s all the way to like Kurt Russell types who are who are kid yes, actors, you know? Yes. Yeah. These these ones uh, a lot of times we'll get those guests that came at that in-between stage. Right. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. They were with the young stars, but the only old stars were still around. They were working with them too. Do it's you- it's kind of like it's 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 kind of like that weird stage. When the Beatles came to America and the hippie movement started, and you had like guys like Frank Sinatra, right, singing the Beatles songs and trying uh, to, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 trying to be or, hip. Or, or you have to hear his version of Mrs. Robinson. Oh, I've heard it. I have heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it. it. Yeah, yeah. That that's your anyone who hasn't heard it. You owe yourself. Well, what's crazy? What's crazy about guys like Sinatra and Elvis and those guys is they would go in to a studio on a day and record like a, a seventy cover songs and just see what sticks. Wild. Yes. Yeah. They, terrible. They terrible. At all. Yeah. Some terrible fucking versions. Uh. Yeah. And 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 oh, and also around that time. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. was wearing Nehru jackets. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was flipping around the other night, and I have you know on, on my cable way up is one of those old retro channels, and the old TV show from the '80s, Hunter, was on. And yes. it's Sammy Davis Jr. was in a two-part special episode where he played a boxing trainer, but he was exactly like Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> but he was just a fucking like stuff like that. I, I can watch that shit all day. I'm endlessly fascinated by that. And it's, I, just, and it's just there. It happened, and it's part of the world, and there it is. I caught an episode of Charlie's Angels, uh-huh. and and it has to, and and Sammy Davis plays right. a, a double, a dual uh, role, yeah, yeah, dual yeah. role, and uh, where he's Sammy Davis Jr. Okay, but. It's supposed to be that they want these kidnappers want to kidnap Sammy Davis Jr., but they get this lookalike <laughs> named Harold who works in a supermarket, <laughs> and, and it's Sammy Davis in a <laughs> I never really got like I, you know I'm in my mid 40s, so like Sammy Davis Jr. to me as a kid was I didn't really know like I know what Sinatra did and obviously Dean Martin. I never really understood Sammy Davis Jr. Like I didn't get, I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. He Man, just, he was all, I knew it was all in the family, basically. You know, like oh, I did. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. right. That, that was his biggest with the new crowd. Right. Yeah, but like I didn't quite get why he was. Yeah, you know, I know he's a singer and an actor, but I didn't really, I never really got his. And he did a lot of that stuff in the seventies and eighties. A lot of those sort of knockoff episodes of TV. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. And he'd usually pop up as Sammy Davis. Right, Jr. right, right. <laughs> Anything else, Mike? I like. I just like that Gilbert refers to people that watched an episode of All in the Family as the new crowd. Yeah, well, yeah. I was. <laughs> <laughs> but for, for for Gilbert, that's a, for Gilbert, that's a new show. That's that's a brand new show. I caught myself saying that. I thought, yeah, this is the new hip audience. That episode, that, that episode, by the way, was in 1971. Yeah, yeah, the new hip crowd. It's only 50 Who years ago. Bonanza. <laughs> But I did want to know, uh, was there ever any talk, like when Jackie left or even when Artie left, of you replacing them? And is that something you would have been interested in even doing? Uh, I don't know. I, I was never asked to replace. I or the, Maybe I was asked, but I, at the time I was busy, I'd be flying out doing, uh, uh, you know, the Tonight Show and Hollywood Squares. So right. I think I didn't have enough time to do it. Do it, is it overstated, like in, in when I watch documentaries or listen to podcasts or read books, is it overstated how important a good Carson appearance was for a comedian in the in in the seventies? I think I, I I never did the Carson. You, oh, you never did Carson? Okay. No, I yeah. was I was on the Tonight Show several times with Leno. Right. Uh, but um, I for every uh comic who went on the Tonight Show. And became a star overnight. Uh, there's like about 50 who uh, w- went on several times and no one knows their names. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Because everyone always points out Seinfeld or Leno or Ramon or Ellen or whatever. And then, yeah, yeah that's yeah, probably and, true. And that became the uh, accepted. Like, oh, you do Carson once. You get a sitcom. and it. You're a major star after that. Was there, a, was there a big role in a movie or a TV series that you were close to and didn't get? I mean, I, I would think that you're a specific type, but I didn't know if there was one that you read for and you thought you were going to get and didn't get. Uh, I I remember. Oh, I know what it is. I looked it up right here. Liam Neeson in Schindler's List. I didn't know that. Is <laughs> <Yeah>. that right? <laughs> I didn't know that. It's been a very interesting. <laughs> I would have watched that movie. <laughs> I, I actually was in Chandler's list in the credits. I'm third Jew to the left. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. No, but was there was there one or no? Uh oh, I I remember uh one time I I auditioned for Warren Beatty. He was doing Dick Tracy. Yep. And and he was saying, You're terrific. You're, you're just you're perfect, just what we everything you hear in show business. You're exactly what we want for this part. And then I waited a while and my agent said, oh, they're not going with you. And I said, oh, who'd they get? And they said, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> so it, it, it's like somewhere in the middle of the night, they're going, hmm, Dustin Hoffman or Gilbert Gottfried. See, I, I, see, see, I think you would have been great in Kramer versus Kramer. I, I, <laughs> could, I could see that. Yeah, it's like the only way my name and Dustin Hoffman's name could be in the same sentence is I've seen Gilbert Gottfried's acting and he's no Dustin <laughs> Is there ever another anything? Part, another part I lost uh, was in a Mel Brooks movie called Life Stinks. Oh, Leslie Ann Warren, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, the homeless and- one, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, they wanted uh, I auditioned for that. They said you're great, everything, and and the part went to Billy Barty, 
<laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> I guess Hervé Villachez was busy. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, it was too early for, uh, what was his name, Vern Troyer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It> <laughs> so, so like, I mean, you know, I know you're always, but like when you go and you uh, uh, read in front of a Mel Brooks, is that intimidating or are you already at that point, you don't, you're not worried about it? Uh, yeah, I, um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, it, 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 I used to be horrible at auditions. Oh, yeah. I used to really take it seriously and uh, be devastated. Now I just, I try to have fun with it and then uh, then leave, leave quietly. <laughs> you have any projects coming up? Uh, yes, but they're so big I can't talk about <laughs> Oh, is that right? Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, there are big names and they don't want me to talk. Wow. Oof. Are, yeah. you, are you continuing your role in the Sharknado series or is that over? <laughs> See, I think that's over. The Sharknado series, I really like doing because it, it's like if, uh, you watch Sharknado and you listen closely, mm -hmm. you can actually hear your IQ drop. <laughs> <laughs> does that does that pay pretty good or? Uh, not particularly. No. And uh, but it 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 was fun because it it was one of those things you could do. Uh, you could trip and fall during the scene, right? And uh, and they go, oh. Okay, good enough. <laughs> well, it's like enough. It's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite part in uh, Ed Wood when when uh, Georgie Animal Steel I think tries to go through the door and hits it, and they yell "cut," and the, the guy says to him, "You might want to do that again." Ed, Ed Wood's like, "No, in real life, he would struggle to get through that door." Let's go, let's go, <laughs> cut it, print it, and go. <laughs> which was a great, which was a great movie. Um, yeah, because uh, oh, well, one of the Sharknados yeah. I did, mm -hmm. uh, they filmed in Central Park. Because uh, it was supposed to be Texas that it's taking place. <laughs> right, right. And if you've ever been in Central have, Park, have, you yeah. go, what am I doing in Texas? Yeah, is, this this, a, is this an Amarillo? Why am I in Amarillo here? What's going on? Why did this happen? <laughs> well, Sunday, July 18th, 7.30 p.m., Comedy Connection in Providence. This has been one of my, Mike, Mike knows this. I've been trying to get oh, yeah. Gilbert on here forever. I mean, you're the, you're the greatest. You've lived a great life. I'm sorry that's ending soon. Yes, it's yes. been a pleasure. And, <laughs> and uh, I'm well. My podcast, yep. Gilbert Gottfried's. Amazing.